Pokémon. Penises. Best thing in the world. Yes, I lucked out. Thanks, Jordan, for not being cut. Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> and thank you for all those dudes that didn't get cut. And fuck all those parents that cut, cut their kids. Our, my penis and other people's penises without consent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, yeah, let's start. Yeah, uncut dicks. Yeah, Tell uncut everybody. dick, y'all. This, this this episode brought to you by Uncut Dicks. Uncut Dicks. Get it. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to Anyways, How's Your Sex Life? Welcome. We are your slutty hosts. I'm Channa. And I'm Corey. And welcome, our supernatural sluts. Welcome. We're so happy that you guys are here for us for episode 31. 31. We're here. Um, so let's just jump into my one announcement that I have. Yeah. It's an exciting one. Hey, guys. <laughs> you can probably <laughs> guess what it is. <laughs> and if you can't, that means you have not been listening. That means either welcome or fuck you for not paying attention. Here, I'll do a drum roll, then Corey, you announce it. Okay. So, we got a Patreon. Ah! Ah! It's real. We're not just saying it this time. It's real. We did it. It's we released here. it. It's queer. It, we had to jump through many hurdles. Corey got uh-huh. deathly ill. Then I got uh-huh. deathly ill. And uh-huh. then we got drunk for 10 hours. I got Friday. ill, like, I haven't been that that ill for, like, five years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got sick. Because I got sick. Mine wasn't as intense as yours. It was just twice yeah. as long. Mine wasn't, like, crazy, crazy intense because a lot of people get sick. I usually never get sick, yeah, y'all. Yeah, Corey never gets sick. And, like, if I get sick, it's like, oh, I feel crappy for one day. So if I just sleep in really late for one day, I'm fine. Yeah. But this one bitch. was, like, fever shakes for two straight days. Like, I've never had it that bad for a long time. Yeah, that's, like, my normal sickness. Yeah, yours was brutal. Mine was just long because I barely got better two days ago. Yeah, yours was, like, up and down for, like, a week. Yeah, it was a normal as fuck but we yeah. finally released the patreon i think drinking for 10 hours straight didn't help drinking for 10 hours straight definitely not help because i was feeling better and so i was like hell yeah let's do vodka champagne mimosas yes so i did that and then we drank beer that guy was awesome that guy was awesome yeah. he was really he was a good guy he's a great bartender personality because he made me spend like 60 dollars. he did and he made it seem like he wasn't gonna charge us yeah. too. and i was like yeah put, yeah put a fucking shot in my drink yeah <laughs> and you know what he charged us and he charged us but it's okay because that's his fucking job yeah, we're so prob- good job you yeah good fucking job that guy yeah but uh yes yeah, so we're finally better we released patreon it is out you can go to patreon.com slash podcast to yep. find us it's also the link in our instagram bio and i'm going to be putting on our website um this weekend cool and so yeah the probably easiest way guys is to just go to instagram and click on the link and then the click bio. on the link yeah and we have three tiers for you guys um, first tier is a dollar. You're known as our supernatural sluts. Uh-huh. Second tier is three dollars. You're known as our Kool Aid kids. Third tier, seven dollars, and you're known as our demon, demon daddies. daddies. And if you do seven tier, that's when you get the bonus ex- episode 
um the sorry the set or sorry the seventh tier <laughs> no when you do the seven dollar <laughs> we tier, have the seven tiers. tier that's when you get a free or, or just like an extra episode yeah um the other ones give you other content that will range from like case files case files shoot the, shit. shoot the shits which are like 40 minutes of like um fun shit and also just like informative stuff and then um if you just do the one dollar one you get um, like little deleted scenes or like cutting what we call cutting room floor. And we explained these all earlier too. Also, everybody, we Ooh, are in a new under- location. <laughs> oh, yeah. So if we sound a little different, it's because we're currently in Corey's room. Yeah, there's, there will again. definitely be a different room space, like um, room space. You'll, you'll hear it. There'll and be a different room space. And also it's like crazy ass windy. I read on the freeway. Thunder. So you know how they have like those overhead digital freeway signs? It's uh-huh. like, don't drink and drive. It said 50 mile per hour winds tonight. Yeah, I believe it. So it's crazy windy outside and it's a thunderstorm. So if you hear like, ooh, in the background, it's not a ghost. It's yeah. the wind. Thunder's been going on for the past like minute right now. Yeah. But yeah, so again, just like go, if you want more information about our Patreon, we said it in an earlier episode and also just go to Instagram and then click that link and we have a whole like five minute video where we explain the tiers and the tiers are explained on the website as well it's pretty clear and that brings me to my next announcement that i didn't even know i had to announce (gasps) yes we created a youtube channel everybody oh we did (laughs) um and down the line our like long-term goal is to eventually like post videos of us recording these episodes yeah when we get out of the blanket fort we just need a better mic (laughs) so eventually but um we did start a youtube channel so you guys can go subscribe to it just search our name yeah you're, you're gonna find it and also our patreon video is there yeah so that, that'll be like stuff in the future yeah we're definitely not like, like months down the line yeah yeah like the end of the year probably yeah. but just i didn't even i forgot about it until yeah. you said youtube and, or so you said movie um and next thing is shout outs i'm just shout gonna go through these shout outs um pretty fast Do today it. um the first one is ali waya she yeah, and i have been friends for a very long time and she just started listening to her podcast and she messaged me about it and said she loves it. So Cute. what's up, Allie? So you like knew her before? Yeah. She's oh, cool. hilarious. Like Cute. Yeah. I'm we have the same mutual friends and we've been friends on social media for like years, but we've only met in real life like three times. But every time I s I have been with her in real life, I'm like, how come we're not best friends? Because <laughs> she's yeah. she's like super awesome. Um, next one is Emily underscore B Berg. The next one is um, Javier Rogan. Uh, the next one is Jamie.DeAndre. DeAndrea. The next one is The Book Pixie. Yeah. Which I thought was cute. The next one is Persephina.Pom. Okay. The next one is Mara or Mara.Ona. The next one is Katie Scarlet85. And then JelloCup83. JelloCup. Good I Instagram like handle. The next one is Badass Mountain Woman. Also That's good fun. Instagram handle. And the last one is Jenny Ferregs. Jenny Craig. When I read that really fast, I thought it said Jenny Fags. And I was like, Jenny, how did you do that? Was Jenny, Instagram how'd you handle? get Fags in your Instagram handle? <laughs> I was like, you bad bitch. <laughs> Anyways, done with shout outs. Boom. Boom. Done. Okay, so we're just going into faggots? Yeah, let's get into some faggoty let's shit. Let's get into faggots. Speaking of Jenny Fags. Yeah, speaking of Jenny Fags. I ha- Okay, guys. Faggot facts. Mm-hmm. I've said it before. I said it on 
um, the previous two episodes, and I said it on the Patreon episode that people will be able to listen to whenever the hell they want. To be honest, Corey, I was so drunk the last time we recorded an episode. I have no memory. Oh, well, yeah, talking. I'm going to tell you all again. And okay. this will be the last time, though, and I'll just sort of reference it later on. So but, pay attention. Yeah, because it's Pride Month, I will be doing a look at the LGBT activism in the U.S. for the month of June. Woo! So over the next four episodes, actually the last episode will be july 1st like the last episode that comes out where i will be doing what i'm just about to say will be july 1st basically these uh, packet facts will be a little bit longer and a little bit more informative and then like later on we'll get back to the fun like short sexy things you know that we do once in a while um but just like for the next three episodes and, and then this one and the next three it'll just be like more focused on just LGBT activism in the U.S. Yeah, let's okay. learn this shit. So also in episode 29, I mentioned that for the first Patreon episode, I'd be going over uprisings, like, you know, queer uprisings that predate Stonewall. And Stonewall happened in 1969. So I said, hey, guys, like when our Patreon comes out, you should sign up and do it because, my, you know, I'm going to do like a precursor to um, Stonewall and LGBT activism because that's like that Stonewall is when it's considered to like really super start yeah like activism for the queer community um, but there are like many many things that predate Stonewall I'm gonna take um, off my shirt it's yeah you're hot. good yes Chance taking off her shirt I right am. now we're talking I'm about I'm wearing baguettes. a very lacy bra for Corey because <laughs> gays don't exist so I did that I did I researched something called the Black Cat Raid that happened uh, just a couple months before Stonewall. Also, while I was doing my research for that faggot fact, I found out that there are over 20 recorded occurrences of LGBT uprisings against unlawful treatment of the of the queer community by cops in cities of Los Angeles, New York City, San Francisco, D.C., Philadelphia, and Chicago. Damn. So that between those uh, seven, six cities, there are over 20 in- like recorded instances before 1969 Damn. that actually date from 1959 to 1969. Uh, that like predates Stonewall. That's crazy. Yeah. So at the beginning of that faggot fact that is in the Patreon episode, I mentioned the first recorded uprising that is one that took place in downtown LA at Cooper Donuts. You remember that? Me just talking about that? Yeah. 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 So I, I breezed over that event because I didn't really find much information on it, but I dove deeper into it for, uh, just to see if I was like, you know, there was still more information and I found I found like way information. So my faggot fact today is actually on the Coper Donuts riot and um, that predates Stonewall. So basically in order to get ready for this next month, what you need to do is one, listen to me right now. Yeah. (laughs) And then two, go to Patreon or go to Instagram, click on the Patreon link, then go to Patreon. Then give us seven motherfucking dollars. (laughs) Less than Netflix. (laughs) Yeah. And then listen to um, the, uh, the faggot fact that talks about the black cat riot that yes, happened two black... months before Stonewall, also in L.A. Okay, yeah. Um, on Sunset Boulevard. Oh, yeah! Uh, yeah. So this I, one happened... It's all coming back to me now. Sorry? It's all coming back to me Oh, now. yeah, we were fucking drunk. I was... It took me like hammered. six hours to record that or edit that episode. Yeah, I was... I don't... The hardest part about last week's episode is... We both kept on getting confused because we recorded three episodes back to back. Oh, yeah. And so, like, I kept on not remembering, like which true crime event I was talking about. Because you're just like killer, 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 killer. Yeah. So I was talking about like three different killers. So I was like, uh, 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 uh. It was hard. That would be hard, yeah. That's why I'm excited for today. Luckily, mine were like pretty different. So I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Agreed, Uh, agreed. And fun fact. So you're doing your fact fact on the donut? Yeah, it's it's called the Cooper Donut Riot. Fun fact, today is National Donut Day. Oh my fucking God. (laughs) Really? Yes. Oh my God, (laughs) I love the world. That's so cute. (laughs) 
Ah, Thank you, universe. I love coincidences. We should have like got this. fucking donuts. I know. No, fuck it. We're going to the beach next week. Yeah, fuck but it. next week we're going to the best donut shop I've ever been to in my life. Yes. It's called the Donutery and has all regular donuts and all vegan donuts. It has vegan donuts. Yeah. Where, where, where is this? In Huntington. It's. It, I. I'm not. Let's go. I'm yeah. not like over exaggerating, Corey. It's the best donut you'll ever have. Okay, I'm excited. Yeah. Getting fuck get yeah. Ready. So if y'all want to meet us there in Huntington Beach next week. Oh yeah, we're, we're going to California. There. We're saving that to the end. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. That'll be at the end. Fuck okay, it. Fuck it. We need to keep going. We need to keep going. Fag effect. Fag effect. <laughs> We're okay. both in a really good mood today. So, yeah, yeah. So, review. Listen to my fag effect right now about Cooper Donuts. Then, two, go to Instagram. Three, click on the link under in our Instagram bio that takes you to our Patreon. Four, give us seven motherfucking dollars to become a demon daddy. Five, Five get out listen Lou. to that episode so then you can also listen to the uh, Black Cat Raid. And then six, just wait for next week and you'll be ready for the Stonewall Riot that I'll go over. Seven, put your hand on your dick and start moving it up and down. Yep. Eight, send us a video. <laughs> Eight, send us a video. Nine, put your hand in someone's clit or in someone's vagina. Ten, send us a video. Ten, send us a video. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now let's get to the Cooper Donut Riot. So, Cooper Donuts was a late-night cafe located on Main Street in the Skid Row neighborhood of downtown L.A. Oh, we've talked about Skid Row already. Yeah, so y'all probably know, or at least a little bit, like Skid Row is, uh, or uh, now it's not that bad, but it used to be very bad. Yes. Yeah, like very, it's it's still still probably is a little bit that. I don't really know. That's where the Hotel Cecil is, where Alyssa Lamb went. Hotel Cecil is where Eliza Lamb. Alyssa Lamb. Alyssa Lamb, whatever. Got killed. Got killed. Or died. Or died. Or demons. Episode 11? Episode 11, yeah. Boom. Yeah, because black, black Eyed Pl- Children. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Fuck, that was a good episode. <laughs> so, um... It's 20 episodes ago, and it I'm is, still and we're like, like fuck. I'm still shook. <laughs> That's 20 episodes? Yeah. That feels like a month ago. I know! Ew. It's June! Oh, my God. I my was... birthday's in a month. What the fuck? Oh, wait. oh, my God, it is. I know, I'm turning 24. The Yay. big 2-4. <laughs> 24 is a good one. Like it's 20. a good one. Better I like 22, 23, 24, 25. And then after 25. And then 26, I was like, hmm. <laughs> and then 27, I'm like, I'm old. And then 28, you're like, Fuck. And now 28, I'm like, what the fuck is, uh, what was it? What the fuck is TikTok? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like that, Corey. All of my fucking Facebook ads are for fucking TikTok. Like, what the fuck is TikTok? What? It's like the new vine for youth. But uh-huh. the TikTok, TikTok ads are infuriating on Facebook. They are? They're infuriating. Oh, fuck that. Okay. So, um... Again, Cooper Donuts is in downtown L.A. on Main Street in the Skid Row neighborhood um, of L.A. It was frequented by gay men, sex workers, drag queens, and oh. people who we now recognize as trans. Oh, so, to dive into that a little bit more, the person that I am dating, who we are calling what now? Seven and a half crop top. Seven and a half crop top. Um, he has a he has a roommate named Randy, and Randy is a part of the. I don't know the exact name, but it's like the Utah Queer Historic Society. Oh, that's cool. And so when I was telling him about like, oh, hey, dude, I have like a podcast and I do faggot facts and stuff like that. And he smiled and laughed. And then I told him about this donut raid and he didn't know it existed. And But I, I used the word transgender and I believe in the Patreon I used the word transgender. But technically that's not correct to say that because back then transgender wasn't a thing. So they were either just called drag queens or transsexuals or transvestites. Mm. So that's like when you say like, I'm a sweet transvestite. Yeah, from- yeah transsexual you know or uh from rocky horror that's because they didn't have that community where they were uh where they were identified as transgendered people that's like a fag effect inside a fag exactly it really is that's so um so i will just go by what the articles that i looked at call them because they will they will say oh hey these people were like drag queens but if i say that i'll probably be like hey this person might have also been been transgender but they just didn't identify that way because they didn't they didn't have that label 
Yeah, that like word did not. Exist yeah, that word, yet. that community of transgender community didn't exist yet, especially in 1959. Yeah. So that's just a thing to keep in mind. Um, so anyways, we're continuing, <laughs> but that's like really good to know. I didn't know that. Yeah, like, I didn't know that You never either. thought that didn't exist in 1959. There was no transgender community. They were transvestites or just drag queens. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we are. We know whenever, so little. Yeah. And whenever you talk <laughs> about like the, the history, like, you know, we still have a long ways to go, but I'm like, man, <laughs> I'm like, we are pretty like fortunate the time we live in. Cause yeah, I yeah. don't get me wrong. We still have. So like somebody didn't even know what to call them and they didn't have like. Like right now, like it would like it would be crazy hard to still be transgender, of course. Oh yeah. But you could still go to Google and be like, "What is transgender?" Yeah. Or like, "Where is a transgender community near me?" But yeah. like back then, they like didn't even know what that word was. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That's and crazy. it's amazing to think of like you know, because I was sixty nine, so like fifty years from now, like how, how much more we're going to like know and feel and everything it's gonna be your school yeah yeah we'll be like yeah like the whole thing is like what, what's gender yeah <laughs> grandpa what's gender grandpa what's a gender we're like i'll just laugh i'll call you up and like facebook message you they're gonna be like oh my god grandpa said he's gay grandpa is such a bigot <laughs> i'm gonna be like grandpa's so limiting grandpa's so limiting i'll be like oh my god i'm like, so confused like damn right give me a penis you know what's gonna happen is like eventually it's gonna like just go back to just all straights they're gonna be like can you believe grandpa's oh my god gay? i'm scared i'll kill myself I will drink the fucking Kool-Aid and just end it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so basically all you need to know is that this place was a well-known gathering spot for the queer community. However, this place being a donut shop was also frequented, frequently visited by the LAPD. That is So you can cliche. guess where this is going. Yes. As some of you may already know, and also because I've said this in multiple faggot facts uh, during the years, I say I want to say that, but it's only been like eight, six months. <laughs> during the years of this podcast. <laughs> um, so during this time in the U.S., it was illegal for queers and gays to commune together and to get together in a public place, um, to kiss and dress up and drag, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so Coper's Donuts was no exception as many times the LAPD had detained his patrons for various offenses of being queer. So I don't like, you don't need to get into it, but just like this has happened before the people who frequent this area and this donut shop are, are used to the LAPD officers coming in and just fucking people's day up because they want to and because they're bigots and they don't understand that like people aren't just straight. Okay. That's so frustrating. Yeah. You couldn't even go to a goddamn donut shop with your boyfriend. Right. Yeah. Right. Like fuck that. Um, so one night in May of 1959, the cops, for some reason, walked into the donut shop and started demanding that the patrons show their identification for no reason at all, except that L.A. law dictated at the time that if a person's gender presentation did not match the gender shown on their ID, they would be taken to jail. Oh, my God. So they literally walked in and they target five people specifically. There's like multiple people in here there's like dozens of people but they're gonna but they go, go up the to the drag queens yeah they go, oh yeah it, i said it's actually they say the ones that were targeted were two drag queens and i put here possibly trans women um but we don't know so we'll just keep saying drag queens because that's how they're identified from the time okay. like from the reports two male sex workers and a gay man so they targeted those five different people two drag queens two male sex workers and a gay man so they literally walk up and they're like hey show me your id because i to me you look like you're dressing like too femme or like a woman so i'm going to see your id because i know it's going to show up as a man so i'm going to send you to jail so oh that's, they're God. like literally like we just want to fuck up some queers today and take them to jail that is so that's literally what it is so this has happened multiple times, but just today was different. Uh, for whatever reason, the patrons of the shop that day had had enough. Um, yes. One of the patrons there specifically, his name is uh, John Ricci, or Recci, um, R-E-C-H-Y. 
Ritchie? Yeah, John Ritchie. He's an he, he is an author, and he was targeted by the cops, and he resisted arrest, complaining that there wasn't enough room in the police car for all five of them to be shoved into the back of the police car. So as they as he protested this, the other customers who are also queer um, began to object as well object as well, pushing the police out of the cafe and uh, throwing cups, food, trash, and assorted debris. <laughs> <laughs> Debras. Debris, Debras. A bunch of <laughs> They just Debras. picked up Debras and like, fuck you. Fuck Debras, like, fuck you, coppers. <laughs> De- De- Debra just like puts on a helmet. She's like, yeah. And she's like, woo, throw me. Does a line of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> so fun fact about John Ritchie and why I mentioned him. He is the gay man that was uh, attempted to be arrested and was arrested at Cooper's Donuts that night. Or was attempted, sorry. He wrote an autobiographical novel called City of Night. So I, I, th- I think I have, I almost mentioned this in my literary one that I did a while ago about the first gay books or like important oh, yeah. gay books in history. This is one of the books that came out during like r- the beatnik generation or just like at near the end or whatever. I don't know exactly. I'm not super learned and all that. Um, but it was sort of like on the road how um, it was monumental because it was one of the first American books novels that came out that like the main character and the characters that are in the story are the marginalized or the minorities or mm. just quote unquote like the slum or like lesser people because it is about a rent boy that's going around mm. the country and just, you know, shagging up with people. Shagging. Shacking up with people. Sorry, I said shagging. <laughs> but he's doing both. <laughs> he's shagging and shacking up with people. So anyways, in this book, he also references this moment and talks about it. I tried to look up the exact quote, but I couldn't find it because you have to go buy the book. I actually already bought the book and it's on my way to my house. Oh, cute. Just thanks to Amazon. So anyways, the police fled, and for a short period, the streets swarmed with angry queer people who had had enough. Yes. Then the cops returned with reinforcements, shutting down the street and forcing everyone to scatter. So basically, that was the end of the uprising. It, it just lasted that those couple few hours, that little night, and then it ended. And this is very different from the Stonewall riots because, uh, as some people don't know, the Stonewall riots lasted multiple nights. Mm. Um, and it just like that's what made it become a thing. Uh, many historians have come together to point to pinpoint, and they agree that this could have been a Stonewall riot easily, but it wasn't because at that time there weren't that many homophile, quote unquote, homophile groups. As I've mentioned homophile before, yeah, you have. Um, there weren't that many homophile groups and the uh, LGBT community or queer community wasn't that organized at the at the moment. So, yeah, basically just say the community wasn't strong enough to organize um, as it was when the Stonewall riots happened. And that's why Stonewall is so important, because that was the tipping point of like, hey, we are organized. We are strong. Yeah. Like we're here we can together. do this. Like, yeah. yeah, fuck. Yeah. It was like a unifying moment. Like we're here. We're queer. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> like, fuck you. Yeah, Respect we're strong. Me, God yeah. damn it. Yeah. Um, so still this uh, this uh, uprising sparked uh, a lot of other things that will happen uh, between now, uh, 1959, and the Stonewall riots in 1969. So um, there's a protest in 1964 at an army induction center in New York. There's a riot against police harassment at a dance in San Francisco in 1965. There's a disruption at an anti-gay coffee shop in Philadelphia in 1965. And there's also a, there's a Compton's Cafeteria riots in San Francisco in 1966. The list goes on. There is a... Um, I might even make it a, f- a faggot fact protest. later on. Another protest, another club. Another yeah, literally club. another club, another protest. And that's basically it. So that is the Cooper Donut Riots. Fuck nice. Yeah. Happy National Donut Day. Yeah. I like it. Okay, let's jump into my spooky scoop. Mine's a quickie, a quickie but a goodie. It's Pride Month, so I'm going to be focusing on gays, lesbians, bisexuals, them all. I'm gonna, The entire 
LGBTQ community serial killer style. Um, so today I'm going to be talking about gay or homosexual serial killers with a 15 plus yeah. body count. Yeah. Because there's like a bunch of them, but I just did 15 plus because like 15 plus, it's like a big number. Yeah. Think about it. That's like more than a dozen people like lives Go gays. destroyed yeah, yeah. by gay men. Kill those people. Yeah. So like <laughs> gays are serial killers. What I'm trying to say. I'm Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, the, the place I got this from had this whole like four page paragraph of four being like, we're listing serial killers that are gay, but it does not mean that like g- gay people are more like prone to being serial killers. Like they make up less than, you know, a very small percentage yeah, of how many serial yeah. killers are. But it was like the most like PR four it. paragraphs yeah. where they're like, we're not saying like this is not a homophobic article. We're obviously not being par- PR because I just yelled, yay, kill people. <laughs> That's true. Um, and then don't next, kill people, please. Next week, I'm going to talk about the lesbian um, serial killers out there. Fuck yeah. And there's only like four of them. Um, so today, so we're going to start off with the most well-known one. You know him. You love him. You hate him. He, he'll eat you. He's Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer killed 17 people in Milwaukee and Shit. also Chicago. Next one, his name is Luis Alfredo Garavito. He killed over 140 people in Colombia. In Colombia? 140 people. Whoa. 140. Was he like Italian, Colombian? Uh, I don't know. What's I, his name? Louis. Louis, like Louis, Louise, Louis. Uh huh. Alfredo Garavito. Alfredo. Gar- Garavito. <laughs> he sounds like a. An Italian. He sounds like if an Italian Taco Bell opened up and then released their new item. Yeah, it's like if Olive Garden and Taco Bell had. A yeah, day, yeah, like yeah, if it was like a half color. Olive Garden, half Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, they're like, would you like the penne with with mild sauce, or would you like a taco with marinara? Oh, you can eat soups and salads and and burritos and burritos <laughs> and for your appetizer. <laughs> right, what's the nacho? What's the nacho Belgrano? Burrito, burrito. What's the Dorito? The Dorito taco? Yeah, what are they called? Dorito tacos. They're just called Dorito tacos? Yeah. Isn't there like... There's gorditas, there's crunch supreme. Gorditas, that's what I get. Chalupas. I, I know the taco the chalu- No, I like chalupas. The chalupas there, that's what I get. Yeah, yeah. I get classic bean burritos because, you know, they have a whole vegan menu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, moving on. <laughs> um, so some of these people, I'm going to be... Give us money, Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> that would be my dream. If Taco Bell sponsored us, I will kill myself. That's awesome. There is nothing else I will do except just kill myself. <laughs> okay, next one is Randy Stephen Kraft. He killed 65 people in Oregon and Michigan. He was known as the scorecard killer. Ooh, ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, so some of these people I might be doing this month because this whole month, like my spooky scoops in segments will be focused on faggots on faggot serial killers <laughs> that feels, sounds terrible to say on i love faggots. it though sorry I just or love lesbian the word serial faggot. killers or people who targeted gay men i like the doodler for example i already did them serial um, fagatos so yeah like the scoreboard killer or scorecard killer i'll probably go through them i don't know depending how interesting their murders are Next one is Michael Swang. he killed 35 to 60 people in ohio Damn. illinois um, New York, South Dakota, Virginia, and he was known as Doctor of Death. Ooh. Daddy. Next one is um, Andre um, Chikitilo. He killed 52 people in Russia. Next one is Fritz Harriman. He killed 40 people in Germany. Next one is Patrick Wayne Kearney and David D. Hill, the killing duo. They killed over 28 people in Redondo Beach, California. Wanky and Dick Hill, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Next one is Hans Granz. <laughs> Poor oh my guy. God, yes. Of course he's a serial killer. I want to be killed by Hans Granz. Like, how could Hans Granz not be a serial killer? He killed over 27 in Germany. Yeah. Next one is Wayne Williams. He killed 27 in Atlanta. Okay, there's like What's a bunch. What's up all this alliteration? Yeah, Wayne Williams. Hans <laughs> Next Granz. Next one is a trio. I guess Dean Coral, Elmer Wayne Henley, and David Owen Brooks killed 27 in Indiana and Texas. So that's three 27s in a row. Damn. And 27. <gasps> <gasps> and threes die in 27. Yeah. Threes bad and 27 bad. And, tw- like the, and the people tw- die at 27. Yeah, with the white lighter in their left pocket. Yeah. Shit, man. Fuck. We're going to die. Okay, next one is Donald Harvey. He killed 25 to 40 in Kentucky. And the next one is Juan Corona. Um, killed 25 in Mexico. Juan Corona. The next one. I know. <laughs> like that's... <laughs> Could you be more Mexican? <laughs> I like it. Yeah. It's, Can I say that? I don't know. Am but I that's editing I, that, Corey? I don't know if you're going to edit that, but I thought the same thing. So I was like, Juan Corona, like the beer and Juan. Like, I feel like on. if. I feel like if. That's a fake name. Yeah. That's a fake fucking name. <laughs> I feel like if Angel is listening to that and I said, could you be more Mexican? He would laugh. He would, yeah. I might edit that. So out. you know, in Twenty Three Jump Street, when uh, <laughs> when Jonah Hill pretend and Channing Tatum pretend to be like the Mexican gangsters, like that sounds like the name they would choose. <laughs> Juan Corona. Juan Corona. <laughs> Wait, what is it? Juan Corona. Oh my God, Juan Corona. Okay, <laughs> oh the next God. one is Adolfo de Jesus Constanzo. Uh-huh. He killed 21 in Matamoros, Mexico. Nice. He is known as the Matamoros cult killer. Ooh. And the last one, he did not kill over 15, but it's a Utah guy, so I had to talk about him. Ooh. His name is Arthur Gary Bishop. He killed five in Utah. He's an ex-Mormon, and it's really fucked up what he did. So I'm He's actually going to do a whole spooky scoop on him. He's month. gay. Yeah, he's gay in the church. Went after like little boys and stuff. Oh, it's no. like the classic scout leader situation. So what? I'm gonna do a whole spooky scoop on him. He killed. He like killed and raped little kids. I'm just gonna bookmark that. I'm not answering any questions. Bookmark highlight. Pikachu face. I will. That's a spooky scoop in a couple episodes from now. Um, now we're gonna be taking a quick break. We're gonna go fill our drinks with yes. more. Drink. We're make more Chris's. And while we're doing that, you guys are gonna hear from our podcast best friends. KBRB. Hey, I'm Mallory. And I'm Jules. And we are the podcast people of Fear and Fame. <laughs> yeah, we are an imperfect podcast. Um, like we, we don't are, edit very often. Yeah, we're highly unproduced, but we are here to give you guys some content about paranormal conspiracy mental health murder murder m- murder and murder sometimes we even talk about um just dolphins yeah dolphins so if you want to join us and check out what we do we are on spotify not all of our episodes we'll figure that out guys we're unproduced hello <laughs> and uh itunes and pod what else Anywhere All the else. things. <laughs> Check us out. Um, and thanks. Thank you. Trust no one. Goodbye. Hey guys, my name is Tara. And my name is Jessica. And together we co host the podcast, Three Spooked Girls. If you love the paranormal or murder, join us every Monday as we tell our listeners about a new spooky tale or true crime case. 
We'll have a special drink recipe each episode picked out by me for you to enjoy while we scare the hell out of you. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever the hell else you listen to podcasts. Come hang out with us and get your spooky on. Hey, I'm Stan. And I'm Drew. And we are your hosts of Bat in the Boondocks. Bat in the Boondocks is a fresh take on true crime podcast. We are a father and son team from way back in the sticks of South Carolina. Yeah, in a town of less than 500. And we have a shared passion for all things true crime. So, every Saturday we get together and swap stories about a true crime event. We try and find the most twisted and vile losers of our human race. Now you won't hear a lot of endless banner on Bad and Boondocks. But what you will hear is all the unedited facts on the cases we choose, no matter how gory or troublesome they are. And you'll hear it all with a unique southern flair. And along the way, you'll hear just the right amount of discussion and jokes to keep you and us from completely losing your mind. You can find us on all the major podcast platforms like iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Himalaya, and CastBox. Or just go to badintheboondocks.com and download all of our episodes there. So, come on down to the boondocks and get your redneck on with us. We promise, you'll have a good time. Okay, let's go. Do it, scare me. Okay, so... I like literally went through three different topics this time because I was like trying to find good ones and they all started out good, but then they ended up being like a little bit short. And so I was like, nah, fuck. I want like a really, really good one. Yes. Um, and so what I'm doing this day y'all is called the great Amherst mystery. Yes. From the late summer of 1878 to 1879, a young woman by the name of Esther Cox was (laughs) tormented. Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) Cox, (laughs) um, was tormented and stalked by demons or spirits. The haunting became so intense that multiple law officials, clergymen, family members, and neighbors all have eyewitness accounts of what I'm about to go over. Damn. But before we get into the haunting, you need to know first about Esther Cox. Yes. So she had a rather tragic life up to that point that we're going to like of the point when the whole shit happens, all shit goes down. Um, So her mother died when she was just three weeks old. Her father, not being able to handle the grief and responsibility that was left to him, uh, basically just dropped her and her siblings off at the the grandmother's house. So like her mom's mom's house. And then he just bounced and like made a new family because men could do that in the 1800s. That's fucked up. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it was literally part of his grief. So like. Whatever. Fuck you. It's not like total fuck boy, but like. At the same time, yeah. There's a lot of fuckery going on here. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So by the time we get around to the story, Esther is 18 and was noted for being a serious and old-fashioned young lady. Um, She was living in a small house in Amherst, Nova Scotia, Canada, Nova Scotia being the province um, of Canada, um, with her eldest sister, Olive, who ran the household, and then Olive's hardworking husband, uh, Daniel Teed, uh, who owned the cottage that they lived in, and then Olive and Dan's two young boys. So we have... First, so right now we have uh, Esther, which is our main bitch, and then we have her uh, sister Olive, and I then her husband Daniel, and then their two young bo- boys, Willie, Willie and George, age five and one. What classic old school names? I know Willie and Willie, George, George and Esther. Uh, Esther, I like Olive. I, I love like, Olive. That's such a good one. That's one of my favorite names. Yeah, that's a pretty Olive. good like old, but like now millennial name. Totally. Yeah, I like it. I love Olive. 
And then we have Dan's brother, so the husband's brother, John. Um, and then Esther and Olive's other brother, William, and then also their sister, Jane. So we Jesus. got a lot of fucking people in this fucking house. We have a lot of people, a lot of very typical names, except yeah. Olive. Olive's my favorite. And I Esther, like Olive. That's so cute. Esther is the main star of the She's story. the main bitch, yeah. She's winning the Oscar. She's winning the Oscars. She gets, she's getting possessed. It is getting spookier it's getting and spookier crazy as you windy talk. Out there. Yeah, every time I would like start to write down stuff after I like you know processed <laughs> it and started writing it in my <laughs> own words, like it just like got super windy and windy. windy I'm so scared. I was, little, I was getting a little spooked. Okay, so in the summer of 1878, uh, uh, Esther, who was just 18, she became fond of a local shoemaker by the name of Bob McNeil. Some people say he's a shoemaker. Other people say that he was a co-worker of Dan, which is Olive's husband. Okay. So um, it, it, it varies because actually later on, a shoemaker is going to com- come up, and I will mention that later. Okay. Um, it's just, you know, that's just like people copying, pasting on their article, and they're yeah, just yeah. mixing shit up. So I don't really know. But Bob is a worker. He's but Bob is a motherfucking worker. <laughs> He's also a piece of shit. Oh. <laughs> Fuck you, know you why? Bob. <laughs> because basically he was a little bit of somewhat of a nobleman. So I don't know why he's said as a local shoemaker. And then in the next sec- sentence, a nobleman. Um, because basically, again, I don't think he's a shoemaker. But okay. that's just like the, uh, one of the one of the articles that said that. Okay. Fuck you, Bob. You know. So fuck shoemaker. you, Bob. You shoemaker nobleman. <laughs> you nobleman who's you also fucking a fucking oxymoron. Yeah, you oxy goddamn moron. <laughs> <laughs> you oxy goddamn. That's a good one. <laughs> um, so, uh, he, or he basically takes her on a carriage ride Ooh. and is like, hey, let's like, let's go out into the country and like have fun and shit. And she's like, yay, because she's like actually fond of him. And she's like, fuck yeah, I got this hot ass shoemaker nobleman. <laughs> <laughs> First one of its kind. <laughs> <laughs> I got this one of a kind fellow. <laughs> shoemaker nobleman. Um, so basically they go into these like gloomy little woods. Ooh, this and, is like a dream um, date of mine. She like he's like, let's get out. And so they get out and so he he takes him away from like his servants or whatever, shoves her into some bushes and tries to rape her at gunpoint. No literally pulls a pistol out of his coat and puts it at her head and tries to rape her. I don't know how there's many accounts of like another carriage passing or one of his servants realizing what's <sighs> going on and they intervene so she is never physically assaulted other than what I just said. Fuck and her. she isn't raped. So oh. she is not raped and she's not physically harmed other than having a gun put at her head and, and probably almost shoved raped. on the ground. What? And almost raped. It's yeah. Like, but yeah, and, and like equally as traumatic and, and I'm about to get into that. Yeah. But just for the note, she is not raped. Kay. So yay. Yeah. Like, yay that. Thanks for the people who stopped the rape from happening. Yeah. Um, so basically after this <sighs> happens, uh, she is emotionally scarred. Duh. Like, duh. Um, and becomes extremely gloomy, very reclusive, and quiet over the next few days when she comes back. Her family members don't even know what's going on. They don't even really ask her. Um, the nobleman do, the nobleman guy easily, like, covers it up. Um, and nobody knows what's going on, basically. But she knows that she was Poor about Esther. raped at gunpoint. Ugh. Yeah. So, um, near the end of August, soon after this event, things started happening around the house. Not long after that attempted assault, uh, the house became plagued by various strange and unexplained phenomena, such as sound, uh, disembodied whispering coming from the walls, knocking and scraping noise, noises, footsteps, all that basic bitch stuff, except for this. Listen, this oh, is shit. creepy as fuck. I'm so excited. So, they would also note that they would seem to be rustling or flopping about in shadows just out of their vision. So they would say that they'd be like walking down hall or like, you know, they would turn off the lights at night or turn off the lamps at night. Yeah. And they would just say like in the dark, dark shadows in the corners of the room, they would hear like 
rustling coming from just that particular shadow where it was like too dark to see anything the demon's like winking it he's like yeah he's like he's like shoemakers you hear like lotion like oh cute little demon cute little demon winking it you know what maybe all demons just want to masturbate let them masturbate in peace let them masturbate in peace and not my house i'm gonna put that on your tombstone masturbate in in peace sit a rest in peace and go to jenna's house not my house that's true you can come to my house jordan's like what what the fuck (laughs) simone's like what (laughs) simone is a demon hunter she's a pro boost like cracks his knuckles he's like bring it on that's true <laughs> boost in the ether is protecting me i like think true <gasps> what if toulouse is fighting noob for me oh, oh my god like kung fu fighting oh. like momo and appa oh my god <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Cute>. <laughs> so now let's get to the first actual happenings so basically esther and jane jane is the 22 year old sister yeah. when esther's 18 not olive uh, not sorry, not, not Olive, because Olive is the one that's married to Dan. Who I love. Um, so Jester and Ain are sharing a room, and okay. they're just like after these little happenings have been going on a little bit. So they're uh, for a few days. So they're all a little spooked, and they're also uneasy. worried about Esther because you're like, hey, you're like really depressed, and then also there's demons in the corners of our rooms. Um, also, do you hear that like <laughs> noise? <laughs> <laughs> also, there's like this like clear plastic cylinder in our room that like <laughs> looks like it goes over something. Yeah, like what could it be? <laughs> what is it? There's like this liquid in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, they knew what condoms were in the 18th, 19th century. I'm sure it wasn't. Really? They knew what condoms were, but you maybe not. Pla- but fact- the plastic didn't exist like that. But yeah, oh, goats, goat skin. Goat skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should do or a fact skin. fact about condoms, but like the first condoms that were used. Ooh, that'd be fun. About like that's n- a fact fact. New fact fact. Bookmarked. Bookmark, Corey. <laughs> so, um, basically, they're sitting in their their beds and they're just like you know doing what girls do. You know, they're just like pillow fights, oh. bouncing their tits on each other. Yeah. You know, just like getting each other wet. You know? like- <laughs> just what women do. Even though know? they're sisters. <laughs> That's what women do, right, Chenna? Totally. They just get each other wet and do pillow fights Every naked. Every sleepover I've ever been to involves getting each other wet and pillow fights. You're like, let's all put on white t-shirts, take off our bras, and slap each other with pillows. I'm like, oh, Becky. Uh, uh, and we slowly, like, almost kiss. And then That's I'm like, all I imagine. <laughs> Only I'm one sleepover so was like that. Right <laughs> okay. So <laughs> someone right now is like getting the lotion as we speak. They're like, oh, fuck, it's getting started. <laughs> um, so uh, basically they're sitting there and then all of a sudden Esther's like, oh, my God, like, what's that rustling under the. Um, we know what it is. The, I know, right? <laughs> what's that? She's like, they, they say they felt something or saw something rustling under the uh, covers. No. And they're like, that. no, what is it? Oh, my God, what is it? And no. she starts to like freak out a little bit and they pull back the covers and then nothing's there. So it's literally <gasps> like something was under the covers <laughs> snaking towards them. They said it was about as big as a mouse. And so they freak out and they're like, oh my God, it's a mouse. And they turn it over. They turn, they flip the covers over and nothing is there. I'm drinking. Yeah. Ew. So yeah, they, it spooks them out. They scream um, and Sorry. everyone comes in the room. And they're like, what the fuck? And they're like, dude, we saw this. This is what happened. And they're like, it's okay. Go to bed. Bye. <laughs> They in, in eighteen in eighteen whatever this is they were like dude, <laughs> anyway so they go to bed. The following night they the entire family again is awoken by their screams. Jane and Esther, um and also Jane's name in some of the accounts is Jenny but it's Jane. We're gonna go with Jane. Like ninety percent of the accounts it's Jane. And like, but who? there were like two basic bitch websites that were like Jenny and I'm like what the. This f- is the eighteen hundreds. Uh, no one was named Jenny. Yeah, like, yeah, like it's not. It's literally J E N N I E. Like what the fuck? The name Jennifer. It's fucking is not like eighteen sixty yeah. something. Like it's Jane. no. 
Your name is Jane. <laughs> That's like saying that her name's like Brittany. Like Brittany did not exist yeah. in the 1800s. <laughs> that name did not exist yet. Like my name is Blue Ivy. Yeah. Like <laughs> my name's Sasha. Like my name's Sasha Fierce. My name's Sugar Tits. Like those names. Right. Don't exist. It's like no, that exists now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So basically, they're the entire family again. The next night is awoken by screams, and they come in and they're like, "What the fuck?" And there's just like this box in the middle of the floor, and there's shit all over the room—not actual shit, but just like scraps of like linen and stuff like that. And they're like, "What happened?" And the girls are like, "Oh my god, we heard something rustling under the bed." And when we looked under the bed, like dumbass bitches, we looked under the bed, and our they had like a box that was full of like clippings of just you know because they made clothes just like different fabrics yeah and it was just like their clippings box and they said that it was rustling and so they picked it up and they pulled it out from under the bed and when they pulled it out from under the bed it exploded in the (gasps) middle of the room and all of its contents were thrown around the room and then the box flipped over (sighs) yeah the more you're talking the crazier the wind is getting no seriously the more i was interviewing this the wind wind would get harder that demon whoever it is is coming after us Okay, so basically when this happened, they were just like, oh, cool, it's like another mouse, just like, go back to your just like, naked, wet t-shirt, you know, pillow fighting contest, you know, what all women do at sleepovers. We know what you girls do. Yeah, we know what women do at sleepovers. (laughs) Braid your hair, wink, wink. More like, rub your clits. More like, rub your clits together until they twist into a braid. Boom, make your clits into a braid. (laughs) Okay, so fast forward a few days. Not long after this happens, Esther comes down with a sudden intense fever, um, which basically quickly escalates into her screaming in agony, tearing at her clothes, and crying out that she felt that her body was expanding and that she was about to explode. She screamed, my God, what is happening to me? I'm dying. Another account claims that Jane woke up in the middle of the night to Esther crying and making choking sounds. So she goes to light the lamp. And when she turns on her lamp in the in, like, you know, reflection of the fire or like the little lamp light, she sees her sister's face. Esther is blood red with her eyes bulging out of their sockets and locked in fear. Ew. Imagine like hearing these weird sounds yet your sister or sibling is making in your room and you go and you have to turn on your fucking oil lamp because fucking 1860 whatever Cunts. and when you turn it on you see your fi- your sister's face like bulging red and her eyes are popping out of their sockets Ugh. i would kill myself i would just throw the lamp on the ground and we would just i would hug her and we i would, would just throw burn. the lamp on her bed we so would just burn fire yeah and that right there and all of us god damn <laughs> So, Jane calls Dan and Olive and her brother William and Dan brothers Dan's brother John. All the family members like get together and they examine her, put her on the uh, put her on her bed and just start to see like what the fuck is going on with her. Um Aww. she starts to or Esther starts to gasp as, gasp as if she was being choked and they find that her skin begins to go extremely red bl- blister and to get swollen. Her oh. skin uh would also fluctuate from red and abnormally hot to pale and icy cold. Oh my god! So like literally, parts of her like parts of her skin would be like crazy red and, and like hot, almost too hot to touch. And then other parts of her skin would be like extremely pale and icy cold. This bitch is getting possessed. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's what I would say. <laughs> yeah, I'm like a terrible sister. I'd be like, this bitch is getting possessed. I'm out. So basically, they all just look at her and they're like, what the fuck is going on? And then Esther begins to convulse uncontrollably and then contort about on the floor. She like rolls off of her bed and onto the floor. So everyone is just like super stunned. They're like, what the fuck? We don't know what to do. 
Um, and then at the same time, they are immediately jolted by these thunderous bangs, just like, boof, Oh boof, my God. Boof. They literally say it sounded like thunder and it originated from under her bed. <gasps> no. So they literally said like, it sounded like thunder, but not coming from outside. Like it was originating from under the That's bed. That's disgusting. Like just fuck that. They said immediately after these three loud bangs, Esther went limp. And then it was a sound asleep like nothing had ever happened. Wait, pause. Three loud bangs? Yep. Specifically three? Three. Fuck Bye, three. Esther. You fucked. Bye, th- bye, Esther. You fucking demon You fucking demon bitch. bitch. <laughs> so the following morning, Esther uh, woke up pretty reasonably well. She said she didn't have a really <sighs> big appetite. And her family members, like, they, being unable to, like, explain what happened and seeing that she was you know, pretty well. They didn't tell her what happened and <laughs> everyone just went on. Everyone's like, okay. At the, at, the, at the breakfast table, everyone just like looking at each other like, we gonna fucking Eating tell Eating their her. goddamn waffles like, oh my <laughs> we fucking We gonna fucking God. tell her. <laughs> so is someone gonna mention it? Like the biggest elephant in the room. Right. Fucking possessed. <laughs> so, um, four nights later, Esther has Esther has a similar fever and attack. This time, all the bed sheets fly off of her and her sister's bed and land in the corner of the room as, as if they had been ripped off by some invisible force or Ew. whatever. So basically, Jane being like, "Oh my god, here we go again!" just like faints from fright. She's well, like, "Holy same. fuck, I'm fucking scared!" So she just passes out. Um, when they start to hear Esther scream because she like has started to get the fever and starts to bloat again and like go red and just pussy and disgusting. Ew. Um, all of Dan, William, and John again rush into the bedroom and see the bed sheets lying in the corner of the room. Olive gathers uh, the sheets and then she places them over her sister. Almost immediately, the sheets fly back off into the same corner of the room as before. Um, before anyone have t- has time to react, the pillow that is under Esther's head then flies off and smacks John in the face. Oh, my God. So everybody just, like, scampers to the pillow and the bed sheets, throws them back on the bed under Esther, and then sits on them so, like, they won't fly off again, except for John. Because John gets so scared that he was targeted, he was singled out, that he just runs out of the room. Smart man. Yeah, he's like, fuck this, bye. He's like, bye, Natasha. Yeah, you okay, Natasha? You okay, Natasha? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, again, after three successions of thunder booming from underneath the bed, Uh! Esther goes limp. And just f- passes out and goes to sleep. Oh, fuck. But this time she goes to sleep so intensely that she falls into a deep trance for the next three days and cannot be woken up. Three? Yeah. Three? Three days. And then on the on the eve of that third night, she wakes back up and again goes into another fit fever total shit show. And oh so God. then finally her family's like, okay, well, like, they're just tired and exhausted. And they're just like, okay, well, like, let's call a doctor. <laughs> That's when they call a doctor. Like the fucking second. I would call a doctor after the first time. Yeah, I would call the goddamn I'd call Warrens. an exorcist after the first time. I would call the 1800s Warrens. Right. Like, my God. <laughs> so, um, this doctor, his name is Dr. Carite. Uh, C-A-R-R-I-T-T-E. I don't know. It's probably French. Carite. Carite oh. or something like Carite. that. Because they're in... Canada. I don't know. You know. Okay. Yeah. Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia. Know. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. It's probably like some French. I don't know. Carite. So, um, as soon as he comes into the house, things begin to. We'll call him like Carite. Okay. Uh, so as things become into the house, things begin to. Ext- that was spooky. Yeah, that was 
spooky. They immediately begin to escalate just like as soon as he walks into the house. Blankets are pulled and thrown from Esther's bed. There's angry disembodied screams that echo throughout the house. There's scratching and scraping sounds that become that like come from the walls and come from like, you know, little dark corners of the room that become like more frequent. Then there's also claps of thunder that continue to come from under her bed and from the ceiling, like that just continue throughout the day and night. Oh my God, yeah. I'm moving. The The doctor can't find any explanations. He looks around the room. He also looks for like if there's trickery from the family and he's just trying to figure out things like with a level head and just like, you know, deductive reasoning and just like figure shit out. And then finally, as he's doing this, he he turned away from Esther and he turned he, he accounts turning back towards Esther and seeing etched into the wall like it was carved out. And he watched it being carved out before him over Esther's bed, like over her head. Esther Cox, you are mine to kill. <gasps> Isn't that <laughs> fucking crazy? Ew. Yeah, so at, right when this right when this is finished to be scratched into the wall above her head, the uh, piece of plaster breaks out from the wall and just goes just splat you know splatters all over the room, just like you know debris all over the room. The doctor's like, I'm fucking out of here. Yeah, no. So the doctor is like, holy fuck, what is this shit? I can't explain it. I'm like spooked and just like totally bewildered. I don't no idea what's going on. So uh, he stays and he continues to investigate the occurrences and he stays over the next months that this this goes on. Oh my god. Yeah. So he's there. He's like, I'm here. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. So uh, some things that he particularly witnesses himself is more just objects flying across the room. Um, Also heavy furniture lurching over like across the floor, you know, just like total poltergeist, just like, you know, zooming around the room and floor. Um, Forks and knives that would just fly through the air and also embed themselves in the wall. Ew. And be flown at him and other family members. Ah. And then also... He would see one time he accounts seeing cold water immediately begin to bubble and froth as if it had began to boil within seconds. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. It went from being just like tap water. That's crazy. To like boiling water. Demons are so convenient for making spaghetti. Yeah, I know, right? Like maybe some ramen, bitch. <laughs> maybe some fucking ramen demon. Yeah. You know what? Like if you're a demon, you might as well like you ain't paying those bills. You slamming those doors. Yeah. You causing you know ruckus you might Living as well in my house you might as well boil some goddamn water boil some fucking for ramen, some goddamn bitch. ramen yeah fucking demons so in the meantime the doctor gave esther sedatives and helped her sleep but uh-huh. this did little to stop her like convulsive fits and they even seemed to be getting worse uh she would blurt out things such as telling of her sexual assault that happened to her oh shit and uh would be would like would not remember things when she would wake up in the morning um, at the same time, when this happens, and I'll get into it a little bit later, I'll just, re- re- you know, reference it again. But the doctor, when an, a later person comes on who wrote a book that we'll get into, okay. um, th- this doctor tells the author of the book um, that he would even give her sedatives, like 1,800 sedatives, like here's some fucking ether and meth, yeah. like pass the fuck out, or here's some, like, uh, what is it? 
Cocaine. morphine here's some oh. like ether or morphine like bye bitch you're gonna pass out he would give it to her sometimes and sometimes when the spirits were really active within her she wouldn't like it wouldn't even affect her jesus christ like she would be totally like you didn't even give me anything see this reminds me of one of my favorite memes where it's like being a doctor in the 1800s is lit because you're like there's ghosts in your blood here's some cocaine, here's some cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> like i just imagine this, do- this doctor being like uh morphine that didn't work uh, cocaine that didn't work heroin <laughs> heroin <laughs> bloodletting what bloodletting let's put leeches on her that didn't work voodoo oh man it'd be so easy to be a doctor back then you could say whatever you wanted and be like science told me and everyone's like oh yeah okay you're like sure okay so again as i said like this would get like more frequent more random or like just more intense uh sometimes these mysterious beings or forces would slap her push her <laughs> Um, and just like throw her down on the ground without warning. They would leave red marks, scratches, welts, and often, uh, like right in, in front of onlookers. Like if people, like people would come and visit because it like started to get, you know, go about town and and they, they'd just be like, oh my God, this is like the possessed girl. And she would just like stand in front of them and just get slapped by like nothing. Yeah, or just like throwing, like buying, a, you know, are you okay, Natasha? Just like throwing across the Pikachu room. I am Pikachu gasping. Like yeah. Um, uh, on another like one intense like uh, account, Esther was even stabbed with pins, <gasps> like pins and need, like you know, like you know, for sewing and shit like shit like that. And then she was also stabbed specifically by a pocket knife. <gasps> yeah. Um, the spirits even began to follow her from place to place, like when she was like walking down the street and shit like that. Jesus There's Christ. even one account where she was, she showed up at church once. And when she showed up, she began uh, like intensely banging on the pews and just like going crazy insane. And all anybody did was just like watch her. What's and be crazy? Like, what the fuck? Is this bitch was allowed out of her house? Cause like if I had a sister who was going insane like this or yeah. like obviously being possessed, I would not like let her walk down the street or go to church. Yeah. I'd be like, we're solving this. Well, in they, house. they would say like she would, she would be like, she would have these fits and these fevers, but then there would be like a couple days where or a day totally or a fine. few hours during the day, like half a day where she'd be fine. That's still crazy. To yeah. Me. I would be like, I guess but we have still to kill I'd be like, her. bitch, you're not going outside. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm going to, I guess I have to drown you. I have no other, I have no other option here. Yeah. Call the priest or kill you. I don't know. So eventually the family, uh, like just, adapts to this situation to the point where That's they begin crazy. to talk to the spirit demon or spirits or demons that are inside of her. That's crazy. They became, they came up with a like system where they would ask it a simple yes or no question and it would knock one for no or two for yes. Oh shit. Okay. So they started to communicate with it even through automatic writing at one point. And during this sessions, uh, they they would scrawl out like the the demons or spirits would scrawl out cryptic messages, and then they claimed that it was several people, including including one called Maggie Fisher, who had been a classmate of Esther's that had died in 1867, a few years before. Ugh. Yeah. So yeah, just again during the same time over the next few months, there's just multiple clergymen, officials like police and stuff like that coming and visit. There was one specific Baptist minister that came away from the experience and noted that Esther nor her family members were responsible for the manifestations, but instead he theorized that that the shock that was the result of the attempted rape from Bob the shoemaker nobleman dude, that, um, that it turned Esther into a sort of electric battery. And that Esther emitted invisible flashes of lightning, which caused the small thunderclaps. 
Whoa. Like, what the That's fuck? That's getting crazy. Like, that was his, like, educated decision. Yeah, he's like, there's or lightning hypothesis. claps. <laughs> yeah, like, what the fuck? He's like, T claps. Again, claps. it would be so easy to be anything back in the day. Like, in the 1800s, you're like, I'm a doctor. There's ghosts in the blood. Or, like, I'm a clergyman. There's invisible lightning thunder. Yeah. <laughs> like, damn. Just be put so... a dick in it. You could just say whatever the fuck you wanted and just be whatever you wanted back then. Yeah, like, what the fuck? Um, so finally in December, so this is just like, you know, uh, uh, that's all August to December. Okay. Um, end of August to December. Um, she, Esther becomes ill with diphtheria. Diphtheria is basically like a bacterial infection. It's just like a really bad, like throat. Ew. Um, tonsil like infection. I'm sure back then it was like a death sentence. Yeah. Easily a death sentence. Um, I actually was like reading it and I was like, oh my God, did we all get diphtheria? Because it like, it causes intense fever. And none of us had stomach problems, but we all got like headaches and fever, like and our throat were sore. But none of my, I didn't. But it, but diphtheria doesn't affect your stomach. It was saying, or at least it didn't mention anything about your stomach. And yeah, none I of us had stomach problems. Yeah. So hmm. maybe it got diphtheria. Ah, I survived. We but survived did you diphtheria. <laughs> <laughs> During this time where she was sick, um, all activity ceased, oh, uh, which is skeptical, in- uh, obviously. Hmm. Um, Interesting. So uh, she even like got so well that she went and visited her sister in Sackville. So there are accounts that say that she was so well that she went and visited her sister in Sackville or that as a part of her getting better, she was sent to Sackville to sort of get away from the house because they thought, hey, maybe the demons are in the house or whatever. <laughs> um, and they went to Sackville and nothing happened there as well. This whole time was about two weeks in her OG house. And then two weeks at Sackville mm. um, where nothing happened. There were, it was like normal. She was just sick and recuperating from being sick with diphtheria. Mm. Um, however, when she returned to Amherst, everything began again. Uh, but this time fires would break out in various places of the house. <gasps> and then Esther herself would even claim to see ghosts. <gasps> oh, yeah. That was so scary. Yeah. I'm getting, no, I'm not even getting, I'm just prepping you. Are you fucking yeah. serious? So the entity began dropping lit matches from the ceiling, which seemed to come out of nowhere and threatened to start fires. In other in other cases, uh, like our other article, uh, like our articles that mention things, uh, pieces of clothing would spontaneously combust into <gasps> flames that nobody was wearing. And then even once uh, fires began to start in the cellar, which literally one time threatened to, tur- to burn the entire house down. Um, in addition to these fires, as I said, the entity began to speak to Esther oh and on several occasions actually appeared to her as a shadow apparition. Oh. On one such occasion, the specter commanded Esther to leave the house that very evening and promised that if she did not, it would destroy the house with a great fire. So literally the family is just like, okay, fuck, like we've seen all this crazy ass shit and it just told you that. So you're leaving. Like GTFO <laughs> Esther. Literally they were. They're like, get the fuck out. So they Good send luck. her to stay at a neighbor's house. <laughs> Good luck, neighbor. <laughs> yeah, right. The neighbor's like, thanks, guys. It's like the neighbors from The Conjuring too. Oh my like, god! Where they yeah. like keep it, and then like the crooked man the like dog. attacks him. Oh, at least dog. the dog lived. The yeah, dog the dog lived, right? They too. like give you a little cameo of it. They later. do at the yeah. end. There was a crooked man. Ew, shut up. Every episode, we have to be like, "Good movie to Conjuring." Yeah, like goddamn, goddamn Conjuring. It's obviously the best modern day horror film. Oh yeah. Again, like, as I said, people grew word of this. Well, when she moved to the neighbor, it got even more big by this time. It's been going on for, like, six months about, you know, by this time. So many people knew about it in the area and just, like, all of Canada. Um, She even, like, after she spent some time at her, uh, 
like neighbor's house. She actually went to St. John's in New Brunswick, which is like a, I don't know. I don't know Catholic shit. Okay. I'm a fucking ex-Mormon. Okay? But it's a, it's a place. Yeah, it's a place. It's a place that's Catholic. Of, okay. Of, of holiness. Yeah, of holiness. So she was investigated by uh, clergymen that were there and also just other, like, you know, intelligent people that were into science. It literally said that. <laughs> <laughs> quote, unquote, intelligent people. It literally says, this is the exact quote, by some local gentleman with an interest in science. Lol. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, so after her visit to St. John, Esther spent some time with uh, friends in another part of Canada and then eventually returned back to the cottage in the summer of 1879. So this is a whole year after this has all been happening. Great. Um, this is this is finally when everything, all the phenomenon began to broke out. So even though sometimes I did mention that she would leave the place and like, you know, shit would happen. Yeah. When she went to go live with this neighbor and then when she went to go like stay at that Catholic place and then at another friend's place, nothing was nothing was happening. She was fine. I think she, they said she was like sick and distant and like okay. a little weird and off. But, but she was like, kicking it. Yeah. Yeah, but she was okay. She was like, she did not seem possessed. Okay. And she didn't have fits of fevers and shit like that. Uh, However, when she returned back in the summer of 1879, everything broke out again. Um, And this is at the point where Walter Hubble arrived. Now, Walter Hubble is the man that I talked about earlier who wrote the book. Okay. So he wrote a book about this whole thing called The Great Amberse Mystery. This is what I was laughing about and I said I'd tell you later. So this is the title. It says, The Great Amherst Mystery, A True Narrative of the Supernatural by Walter Hubble. (laughs) Then it says, (laughs) in this uh, version online, it says, 10th edition revised and enlarged. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Hubble spent a few weeks uh, with Esther and her family in in the little cottage house. And that, or he, I think he would stay at like a local uh, hotel and then sometimes spent some nights there just to see what would happen. But he mostly like lived at a hotel and then would come and just like chill with them. Um, His time overlapped with Dr. whatever, Curry BA or whatever it was. I don't remember at all. The doctor. The doctor. Doctor. Um, So his time overlapped with them and so they were all, they were both in the house at the same time. Um, He, while he was there, reported having pertinently, uh, personally witnessed moving objects, fire spontaneously uh, coming, you know, like appearing, as I've said, um, and also just seeing that, like, things drop from the ceiling that, like, came from nowhere. Ew. Literally, they would just be, like, Ew. sitting down, and all of a sudden, like, a garden tool would just fall the from the middle of the ceiling. I got in, like, just hoe? from nowhere. Ew. Yeah, like, a hoe would just fall from the middle of the ceiling, just Could like it appeared on like, like, fucking thin air. Imagine right now, like, right this very second, if, like, a goddamn, I don't know, Rubber ducky shovel. just, like, fell. Yeah, a rubber ducky just, like, fell and, like, squeaked right yeah, next to Yeah, I would us. probably slit my throat. I would help you slit your throat. Thank you. <laughs> I would help you. I would slit your throat as you slit my throat. We'll slit our throats together. Yeah. I'll have my <laughs> knife to your throat. You have your knife to like, my throat. Clap. I'll go one, two, three. And, like. Ew, I don't want to slit. Can we just shoot each other? I don't want to slit throats. I don't like that. I would rather slit a throat than shoot someone. Okay, well, I'll slit your throat, and then when I'm, like, four-fifths done slitting your throat, you shoot me. Okay. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> so, in case we, I ever die of a slit throat and Corey dies of a gunshot wound, you yeah. know we did it to each you other. You know we did it to each other. Something <laughs> happened here. Demons were here. <laughs> Demons were... Noob was here. Noob and Valak were here. They like, were here. Like, like, I don't know, teabagging us when we did it. Pretty much. <laughs> I hope a demon teabags me while I die. Oh, my God, no. What an entertaining... <laughs> long, they can do it as long as I don't see it. 
they could do it while I see it. If I looked up and a demon was teabagging me while That'd I died, be hilarious, I'd be like, actually. okay. If it was legitimate, like, balls on my face. Yeah, demon balls on my face. <laughs> <laughs> Just demon so balls. So there I was, demon balls so on my face. So there I was, face. demon balls on my face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he basically sees all that basic bitch stuff that I've been talking about. Just, like, disembodied voices, <laughs> pitter-pattering in the in the darkness, you know, just shit like that. Pitter patter. Lol. Film. We're talking about canon. I said pitter patter. Oh, that's Letter funny. Kenny. Lol. Um, Good job, Letter Kenny. He also claims to have witnessed attacks on Esther with pins and other sharp objects, and that he had seen her seen her in her several fits of extreme like fever, pain, you know, like bloating and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, he's seeing what everyone else has seen. Everyone's like, "Yeah, I told you." Yeah. So I'll get into actual accounts from that that I read from the book because I read about like a fourth of this book because it's like. It has a lot. Of, it's like 200 pages, but they're like really quick to get through. Okay. So I read like about a fourth of the book and they're, they're really, it's like really good shit. And it's super funny how he talks about it. Cause he's like, you know, July 27th, I woke up today and we were sitting in the parlor talking. And then all of a sudden the ghost just threw a ball down, you know, in, into the room. It was fine. Ghosts it, are so needy for attention. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're like trying to have a good time and they're like, I want attention. They're no, like, seriously. That's like how Toulouse's. he like explains it. Yeah. yeah, they're like just little Toulouse's being like, mom, 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 mom. Uh, over time, after like a few days there or a week there, he sort of uh, caught on to the way that the family was communicating with the spirits before. And the family was like, hey, we believe there's multiple spirits inside of Esther, not just one. And we don't know if they're demons or spirits or whatever, but they claim to be this person. And, you know. We don't really know how many people are in. So he's like, okay, well, let me try this. So um, he communicates with the entities um, and figures out that it, they there are five different spirits five. inside of them. What they claim to be spirits and they have names and they may be demons. We don't know, but they claim to be Maggie Fisher, who I mentioned earlier, okay. Bob Nickel, who is claimed to be the actual first entity inside of her. Bob so, Nickel. So Maggie was supposed to be the first one that when they realized it was somebody different. Uh, Peter Cox, <laughs> um, who is supposed to be an ancestor. Okay, I was going to say, like Cox and Cox. Um, and then Jane Nichol and Eliza McNeil. Wait, there's two Nichols? Yeah, two Nichols and two McNeils. Yeah. Two Nichols, two Or two, two Nichols and then a Cox. Two Nichols, a Cox, a McNeil, and then like Maggie, whatever. Walk into a bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, That's interesting. Yeah, so basically uh, they were like, hmm, maybe it's like a demon playing tricks on us it's or we don't know. But later that day, Hubble accounts this, and this is verbatim what he wrote. He said, Esther sat in the parlor after this conversation with the ghosts, writing a letter to his uh, to her sisters, Mr. Snowden, when she was compelled to write the following by Bob Nickel, the demon who took absolute possession of her hand and arm and wrote the letter to her sister. Uh, this is quote of what he uh, of what Bob Nickel, the demon, wrote through Esther. Uh, he wrote, "Go out of Amherst, you bitch! God damn your roll! T- uh, uh, God damn you! Uh, go to hell!" Um, and a moment afterwards, he wrote. Uh, he wrote in the same way while still in possession of her ham and arm. He wrote, "God damn Hubble! Go to hell!" All this was written by a power, a ghost guiding her hand against her will, and was entirely different in appearance from her handwriting in the letter, which had to be destroyed and could. No more be prevented than we could prevent the demons from kindling fires, knocking or throwing things about the house. So apparently she immediately wrote that and they all saw it and then it like burst into flames is basically what he's saying. Um, Then immediately after this happened. So this is later like that happened 
a few hours after he figured out that there were multiple spirits oh inside god. of Esther. Oh my god. So that happens and then immediately after this happens, Hubble says that he starts to ask them questions using the knocking method. So this is what happens. Oh Jesus Christ. Uh, questions are all from Hubble. He goes, "Question, have you lived on Earth?" Two knocks for yes. <gasps> and then you have question, have you seen God? One <gasps> for no. <gasps> question, are you in heaven? One knock for no. <laughs> question, are you in hell? No! Two knocks for yes. Course, and then you. have you seen the devil? <gasps> and there were like two huge <gasps> ass knocks. This is literally what he says verbatim. I'm holding uh, my tits so sorry. hard right now. I'm so scared. I'm so scared anticipation my tits are so he said he said this is verbatim he says yes they replied with the loudest kind of sledgehammer blows upon the floor so he says that there was just knocking before and then when they said have you seen the devil there were like sledgehammer like on the floor in front of him two knocks for yes i have chills my whole body yeah and that creepy as fuck yeah i was alone researching this when the wind was howling (laughs) they've seen they've seen the devil yeah I was like, damn, bitch. Um, now I'm just going to go through a couple extra stories that um, Hubble has from inside the house. I'm going to um, alternate between, uh, there's two more stories that I want to read Kay. from his book because I just like his way of writing. It's super fun. Okay. Because it's like nonchalant but scary at the same time. Nice. That's and then like I'll our- actually count some other things that he saw. So first we're going to read uh, one of his accounts. He said, I never knew whether the demon stayed in the house and did not go out with Esther or whether the uh, verse was powerless. Um, But I do know that one of the demons cut a triangular gash in her forehead with an odd beefsteak bone from the yard that day. Look at how he's like just writing this. Um, And that they tried twice to cut her throat with a carving knife. (laughs) And in the afternoon, Maggie, the ghost, tried to stab her in the neck with a pair of shears and that she was stabbed in the head with the fork. Think of it. A young woman treated with such brutality and no one be able to rescue her. It was very hard, but we all had to bear it. On the same night after such brutal treatment, she went into what her sisters told me was a trance. I saw her. She lay on her back perfectly rigid, with her eyes set like a dying woman, sang hymns, and said she was talking with her mother in heaven while the family stood weeping at her bedside. She also said she saw many persons who had formerly lived in Amherst and gave their names correctly, the family stated, also describing the appearance of several who had died before she lived in the village and were, of course, unknown unknown to her. I asked her if she saw any of my dead friends in heaven. She replied in the negative. (gasps) He also says that one time he... Uh, started to like oh one time she was they were just sitting in the parlor as i've mentioned before and the ghosts were just like nonchalantly bringing things into the room from the kitchen and just dropping them into the parlor like they were literally yeah literally they were just sitting there like having a conversation that's hilarious. and things were just floating from the kitchen into the parlor that's ha- and dropping in the middle of that's the floor hilarious. and after that happened he says that like later on a few hours later when they were done just like talking he looked at her in the eyes and was like hey give me your hands and so she gave him her hands and they sat there for 15 minutes holding hands. And he said that he felt the whole time like a intense static electricity around their around his around their like conjoined hands and that he be- soon began to feel super tired. And then he passed out on the couch and woke up 12 hours later. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? 
uh, then again, I'll just refer back again because I said I would. Uh, the whole thing with Dr. Carriette telling Hubble that he would give her like a cocktail of drugs and it would have no effect sometimes okay, because yeah. the, the ghosts were like, no, we don't want to go to bed. You know, like, sh- yeah, shut fuck the fuck up, bitch. Although, yeah. fuck you, ghost. Morphine also, yeah. <laughs> um, So sometimes she was repeatedly slapped, as I've said before, but specifically, <laughs> she sometimes would be slapped by all five spirits, like re- in repetition. And <laughs> it would be so hard that you could see the outline of the fingers and hands on her <gasps> cheeks. Yeah. Like the red imprints. <gasps> Of her slaps. Yeah. Okay. How, if you saw, okay, pause. Let's say, Corey, you were looking at me and all of a sudden I got slapped and you saw a handprint on my face. How could you possibly I would say, slit your wrist ghosts and aren't hand real? You a pistol. Like, s- prove me wrong. <laughs> or how- slit your throat. Yeah. How could you possibly say, like, this isn't. That's disgusting. I am shooketh. That's disgusting. I'm shooketh. I don't, I, I don't know how I'd react to any of these things. I'm shooketh. It's sort of disgusting. Okay, so now one of the last, like, big um, stories that's, like, crazy as fuck is the trumpet story. Oh, God. So this is verbatim from his book. It's getting um, crazier he says, outside. Ooh, it is windy right now. This one's more just, like, Twilight zone instead of scary. Okay. But it's, like, just, what the fuck? Okay. So a trumpet was heard in the house all day. The sound came from within the atmosphere. I can give no other description of its effect on our sense of, of hearing. It was evidently a small trumpet, judging by its tone, and was at times very close to the ears of all. I asked who was blowing it and was told Bob. Bob is, you know, one of those uh, ghosts or one of those demons. I requested him to let it fall into the room, and he said he would do so. That night, he let the trumpet fall. I picked it up and still have have it in my possession. (sighs) It is composed of metal, either lead or pewtered, uh, pewterined? Pewter, and is about three inches long. I could never or ascertain where he obtained it, nor could I find an owner for it, no one like it in any of the Amherst stores. He must have stolen it somewhere, for he and Maggie, which is one of the other spirits, were continually stealing small articles, and after keeping them for days and sometimes for weeks, would suddenly let them fall out of of the air upon the the floor. This was all we saw, time after time. Oh my god. That's crazy. crazy. Basically, when this happened and Hubble was pretty convinced that this was real, or at least claimed that he was convinced this is real, yeah. he begins to take Esther around and he's like, hey, this <laughs> is going on. Do you, like, he literally is like, hey, this is going on. She's like a circus. If we go around and like, you know, become a side, you know, a vaudeville show or whatever, you can make money off of this. So like, why not? If well, this is happening to you and it sucks, why not make some money off of it? So they literally go do that for a bit. And then people start to like get violent against her because they think she's a fraud. So it like quickly, quickly stops. And so she basically goes back home and starts to work for some girl or some dude named Arthur Davidson and uh, like like doing farm work. And she says that uh, one of the spirits within her made her light the barn on fire and burn it down. Uh, But nobody believed her. So then she was sentenced to jail for arson for four or three months, but she only served one month. And then she got out, and that, that really happened. Like that's real. That's she was, crazy. She went to jail for arts. Or like Esther Cox went to jail for arson. Um, poor girl. Yeah, poor girl. But quickly after that, everything sort of ceased for her. Just there was no casual. more activity. She went and got married uh, to one dude, had one son, and then got divorced, and then married another dude, had another son, and then she died but in, everything was on fine. November eighth of nineteen twelve at age fifty two. 52, um, that's young. I couldn't find how she died. I think she just died of like just normal. Maybe she just got sick. I want to say demons. Yeah, let's just say demons. So 
demons haunted her ass for what? How many years? Uh, okay, like a wait, year. Just a year? Yeah, like a year. And then they just stopped? Uh-huh. No, like just because? Yeah, there's like no explanation. The last time that anything, any accounts say something happened was when she like claimed that she didn't burn down the barn, but like, you know, one of the ghosts knocked over a lamp or whatever. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh my God. So yeah, she, uh, she married, her last husband was Arthur Davidson and he was an American. So they moved to, uh, where was it? Or no, sorry. It's not Arthur Davidson. That's the guy, the girl, the guy that she worked for. Um, I don't know the guy, her last husband, but she moved to Brockton, Massachusetts where she died. Damn. Yeah. In, uh, 1912. That was spooky. Yeah. Poor girl. That's like a, the most, that's like a very intense, uh, possession. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's like so much going on. How is that not a movie already? Yeah. So a quick little aftermath, little, uh, like catch up to now. Um, Hubble's book was published in 1879. Uh, you know, the one that's like enlarged <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, for the 10th edition. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and then sell, sold at least 55,000 copies, which like is super popular for the time. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and then also, um, this is a cool little leeway into a future story I will do. It has been suggested that certain aspects of the uh, paranormal events that happened uh, with the great Amherst mystery with Esther sort of mimic something that's called the Borley Rectory, which is sometimes dubbed the most haunted house in England. Ooh. Now, uh, the, it basically it follows this family called the Foister family um, that went through like a demon infestation or a poltergeist infestation in the early 1930s. Um, the guy who is the head of the family or whatever, his name is Reverend Foister. He lived in Sackville, which is where girl went to go visit her, um, oh. her uh, what, what do you call it? her sister. And so they believe that he may have been aware of the Esther Cox case. And so he took some of the things that happened to her and then made up the story. So I didn't know about this thing called the Borley reactory or rectory. Sorry, the Borley rectory, um, which is sometimes dubbed the most haunted house in England. So uh, in the near future, like in the next five or 10, like five episodes, I'll do that. Fun. Yeah, I'm excited. Fun. Ooh, yeah. I'm spooked. So there's that. That's the fucking great Amherst mystery. Um, I would advise y'all to go either buy um, or just find the great Amherst mystery. His writing is really fun because it's just so funny how nonchalantly he talks about shit that happened. He's like, yeah, she was, her throat was almost slit. Whatever. Yeah. Like literally I took say? all of that from like all those, those main quotes and, and all the stuff that I listed off that happened. Yeah. I took from like 30 pages and that was only half of the stuff that happened in 30 pages. That's crazy. Like so many random little shit things happened to her. It's crazy. I just like, could you just imagine seeing that shit in real life? I that would so just crazy. like so weird. yeah like forks were thrown at her and like one like lodged into her forehead at one point right or like, like shit just being like floated from the kitchen to the parlor and just dropped like the as you're just like literally and it's like the it, it was literally just like the ghost was just being like give me attention yeah like, like, literally they weren't like throwing like, hey. it at anybody yeah one time a paperweight is thrown at the dude's head and like misses him by like two inches uh, at least the demons aren't screaming into their ears like yeah, the one right. listener oh story God. yeah they were well they would say they would say they would hear disembodied voices yelling in the house but still like a next to your ear like that's true Hello! that's at least they were nice or let me in! fuck that fuck that i hate that Ugh, fucking hate that. i'm like that scares me immediately Ugh. Uh. I love Insidious. I love your your segments so much, Corey. Yeah. They spook me out. 
Yay. So okay, that's that's that. Well, let's jump into my gay serial killer. Yes. His name is Dennis Nielsen. He is known as the British Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. So you know this is going to be good. So again, for Pride Month, I am going to be talking about gay serial killers or lesbian serial killers uh-huh. or people who targeted the LGBTQ community. Ooh. And I'm probably going to do that for every Pride Month for as long as we do the podcast, as long as I have material for it. Nice. Um, so yeah, Dennis Nielsen So we're talking about today. So Dennis Andrew Nielsen was born on November 23rd, 1945 in Scotland to Elizabeth White and Olav Nielsen. So Elizabeth and Olav had three kids. So from oldest to youngest, it goes Olav Jr., Dennis, and then Sylvia. So Dennis had an older brother and a younger sister. He was the middle kid. Okay. So Elizabeth and Olav, they had a really hard marriage. Olav was a Norwegian soldier and constantly traveled and was never, ever home. The only times he would ever come home was to fuck Elizabeth, get her pregnant, and then he he would just leave and just abandon her pretty much and the kids. Um, So the kids didn't even really know who their father was. After the third kid, Elizabeth got pretty over it, and so she decided to divorce Olav. Um, And this was in 1948. Her parents... So again, this is 1948. I guess it sounds like... It's probably not mostly his fault because World War Two. <laughs> yeah. But But he's also like did everything he, he could. He could still try a little bit more. Yeah, he did everything he could like not to be in the kid's life. Yeah, yeah. So she decided to divorce him and her parents, Andrew and Lily White, they fucking hated Olaf and they were totally stoked and team Elizabeth when she decided to divorce him. Okay. This is nineteen forty eight. It's not like divorce was casual like common or casual back then divorce is a pretty big deal so the fact that her parents were like yes get divorced like be a divorced woman with three kids was like you know the fact that they were team that should kind of tell you how okay yeah like how shitty the whole situation was yeah so she moved in with her parents and dennis who is the serial killer we're going to be talking about um he became really attached to his grandpa and his grandpa's name was andrew now Dennis was a quiet yet adventurous kid. His early child his earliest childhood memories were of family picnics in the Scottish countryside. Ooh. And yeah, so like beautiful, picturesque, movie esque like childhood. Of, yeah. And and yeah. also of being taken on long countryside walks carried on the shoulders of his grandpa. Aww. Um he later described the stage of his childhood as one of contentment and his grandfather being his great hero and protector. Now, Dennis's grandpa was a fisherman, and he would spend weeks out at sea, and Dennis would always wait on the beach staring at the ocean until his grandpa would return. That reminds me of Little Bear. Shut up! (laughs) (laughs) I did cry when I I read about his backstory. Um, Now, Dennis said in quotes later, uh, life would be empty for me until he returned. So he would just sit, stand, and stare at the ocean waiting for his grandpa. Now, unfortunately, as you have probably guessed, on Halloween of 1951, during a normal fishing work trip, um, Dennis's grandpa had a heart attack and passed away at sea. This was the moment that completely destroyed Dennis. On and his Halloween? body was brought back and returned to, the, to Dennis's family home prior to burial. In what Dennis later described as his most vivid childhood recollection, his mother weeping asked him whether he wanted to see his grandpa or not. When he replied that he did, he was taken into the room where his grandpa lay in an open coffin. As he gazed upon the body, his heart beat strongly as his mother told him his grandpa was just sleeping. So, like, he, his mom didn't really teach him about death and really 
like he didn't yeah. like the concept of death is already hard for kids but especially yeah. for him like his best friend in the whole world died like his mom kind of failed him with trying yeah. to explain death that's sad now following his grandpa's death um dennis became he separated himself from his family and spent all of his time standing at the edge of the ocean hoping to see his grandpa oh. return because he didn't really truly understand that his grandpa wasn't going to return um, one day he went into deep in too deep into the ocean and he was actually dragged out into sea. What? He initially panicked. He's failing, flailing his arms. He was Same. shouting. He was starting to, to drown as he was grasping for air and um, started to like actually drown. Um, he recalled believing that his grandpa was about to arrive and pull him out um, before experiencing a sense of tranquility. So he kind of came at terms with, you know, I'm going to pass, but I'm going to be with my grandpa again. Oh, wow. Seconds before he died, someone grabbed him and pulled him to shore and saved his life. Fortunately Wrong or idea. unfortunately for him. Um, now, after this, he really separated himself from his family. Um, and he grew to resent what he saw as the unfair amount of attention his mom and grandma and later stepfather displayed towards his older brother and younger sister. So now he's being neglected. His grandpa died. He he almost died. His family's not giving him attention. He's pulling himself away even more. Like, this is not a good situation for anybody. Yeah. Um, now, he envied his older brother, Olav, because he was really popular. He had a bunch of friends. Um, he was like... You know, the brother that everyone always compared him to. So he was never going to be Olaf. He always lived in Olaf's shadow, which, again, is, like, not a good thing for someone no. to be going through. Now, the only person he really hung out with was his younger sister, Sylvia. Now, his mom eventually married Andrew Scott, and together they had four more kids, which separated Dennis even further Jeez. away from his mom and from everybody else. So he was really isolated and alone. Now, this, the family eventually moved to Strichen in 1955, um, and, th- and then Dennis started going through puberty, and this is when he figured out that he was gay. Gay. He was a gay motherfucker. Now, he obviously- <laughs> It was because his grandpa died. It's because his grandpa died. That's yeah, why he's this gay. This made him fucking gay. Yeah. <laughs> You're only gay if your grandpa died. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, so anyways, <laughs> he initially felt confused and ashamed of his sexuality- um, and he kept it away from his friends and family. Now, because many of the boys who he was attracted to looked like his younger sister, Sylvia, he initially thought, well, maybe I'm just attracted to Sylvia. So he went into Sylvia's room while she slept and actually molested her. What the fuck? Um, that didn't work out for him. So he's like, okay, well, maybe it is boys. So then he went into his older brother's room, Olav, while he slept, and he then molested Olav. Olav was aware of his brother molesting him um, and so he began to suspect that his brother was gay and so he would regularly bully Dennis in public calling him a hen which is Scottish slang for girl so now Dennis is being like verbally bullied and physically bullied by his brother because he molested his brother and he also molested his little sister now Dennis he fucking hated his brother Pikachu face he hated his life he hated his sexuality he hated how poor his family was he hated every single thing about his life, so he decided to join the Army Cadet Force when he was 14 years old, viewing the British Army as a potential avenue for escaping his origin his life, and escaping yeah. himself, his life. Now, Dennis, he was pretty average at school. He loved art and history. 
He hated sports. He was fucking gay. He hated, yeah. He like loved theater and hated basketball. And so everyone's, so like Same. obviously he's a fucking gay guy. Now he finished school in 1961 and then he joined the British Army where he intended to train as a chef. Okay, now Dennis, he passed the entrance exams and he received official notification that he was to enlist for nine years of service in September of 1961, um, commencing his training with the Army Catering Corps at St. Omer Barracks in Aldershot. Now, within Ooh. weeks, he began to excel in his Army duties. He later described his three years of training at Aldershot as the happiest of my life. Okay. He loved the travel. He loved the people. He loved the, the attention. He was loving it. Like, he was loving the Army life. Now, in the mid-1964, he passed his initial catering exam, and he was officially signed to the 1st Battalion of the uh, Royal... Um, fuck. I totally Googled those words. I wouldn't fuck it up. Fusiliers? Fusiliers in Germany? It's an army word. <laughs> Sorry, army people. Um, where he served as a private. Now, during this time, he started drinking a lot. Like, yeah. He was kind of known as the Get functioning it. alcoholic. Get it. On one occasion, Dennis and a German guy drank until they were essentially blackout drunk. When Dennis woke up, he found himself on the floor of the guy's apartment. Um, nothing sexual happened at all, but this incident started fueling Dennis's fantasies, where he began to develop these fantasies in which initially involved his friends sexually fondling him while he was passed out. Okay. Which kind of goes back to him touching his little sister and his older brother when oh, they were sleeping. Oh, while they were asleep. Yeah. So, like, obviously these fantasies kind of started when he was a kid, but they yeah. started evolving so, like, in the military. He likes the non-consent. Yeah. So, at first, it was he was the one that wanted to be sexually fonded. Um, now, he actually tested his friends a few times, and he would, like, pretend to get super drunk with them and, like, pretend to pass out to see if they would touch him. Now, they wouldn't, and that just kind of frustrated him even more. Okay. Then his fantasy started evolving into him touching his unconscious friends. Um, now, his fantasies kept on getting more and more extreme and more and more violent. Now, in 1967, he was deployed to the state of Aden. Aden, Aden. Sure. Um, now this new area was significantly more dangerous than the last, because the last area he was just totally kicking it pretty much, but this, but this area is where he started seeing his friends dying. He started Ooh. seeing like a lot of dead bodies, a lot of violence. Again, dead bodies underline that. Yeah. Um, now this is where his fantasies evolved again, what? and this is where it started involving dead bodies. His fantasies. Like he he like claims himself like being sexually aroused by the dead bodies yeah and like imagining because like, like the bodies couldn't, the dead bodies yeah because the bodies can what the fuck so like then he would get turned on and want to touch himself or fuck the body or touch the body oh wow now he in this during this time he was kidnapped by a taxi driver who beat him unconscious and placed him in the boot of his car dennis woke up and grabbed a jack handle and knocked the taxi driver to the floor before beating him unconscious so now like he, he kind of got the taste for violence. Yeah. And um, then he then left, uh, he then locked the man and the boot, the taxi. Um, now, also during this time, he was staying in his own room, which afforded him the privacy to start masturbating like all day, every day. Uh, now his, he would masturbate thinking about, you know, the, the taxi driver and the dead bodies. And he like bought mirrors for his room when he was able to position himself in the room where he couldn't see his head, but he could only see his body. And he, he would pretend to be dead. And then he would like masturbate while staring at his like body that looked dead. What the fuck? 
Yeah. Now in 1960. Nobody asked that. Yeah. Like it, this guy's not a good guy. What the fuck? His grandpa died and then shit he hit the like, fan. Yeah. Like he like none. He's he's like the most serial killer that we've gone over that like. It's more nature than nurture. Yeah, he... Like, I guess he was pretty neglected to a point. Yeah, but you don't start fucking dead bodies. But a lot bodies. of people are. Yeah, like, I don't have a dad, but I'm, like, fucking a dead body because of it. Yeah, what the fuck? Anyways, we're not even at the murders yet. We're not even at anything Jesus yet. Jesus Christ. This is his backstory. We're just masturbating in the mirrors. So, in 1969, Ayo, he returned to Britain, and he served as a cook for 30 soldiers and two officers. This is when he decided to fuck a girl to see maybe he's just sexually frustrated. Run, girl. Uh, so, he... Purchased a prostitute. He had sex with her, and he later claimed, in quote, that sex with women is overrated and depressing. <laughs> lol. I knew you would laugh, Corey. I read that quote, and I was like, Corey's gonna lol. Same. <laughs> now, I'm, overrated. Yeah, I'm like, overrated. I like, I'm just like, I'm like smoking a cigarette. I'm like, overrated and derivative. Literally, like, that's what he said. Like, he fucked a bitch, and he's like, hmm. Now, in October of 1972, his 11-year military career ended. Okay. So, after leaving the military, as what happens to most veterans, he didn't really know what to do next in life. So, he moved back in with his family while trying to figure out his next step. Um, His mom constantly pushed him to date, and uh, she was constantly being like, well, why aren't you attracted to girls? Like, what about Susie, the neighbor, this and that? So, it really was straining his relationship with his mom even more. She never cared when he was a kid, and now she's only caring about him producing grandchildren, pretty much. Um, on one occasion, Dennis joined his older brother, Olaf, and his sister-in-law and another couple to watch a documentary about male homosexuality. What the fuck? Now, they left the movie talking about how much they hated gay men and how disgusting homosexuals were, but Dennis, he defended gay rights. He was like, Whoa. no, like fuck you guys for thinking they're not humans and fuck you for thinking it's wrong for them to love another man. Like, he was, like, the gay defender of his family. Now, they all got into a huge fight, after which Olav told his mom that Dennis was gay. Yeah. Dennis's mom overreacted. It was, like, this whole huge situation. So Dennis pretty much said, I'm, you know what, like, fuck this family. You hate gays. I'm never speaking to you again. And he never spoke to his family again. Shit. Except for a few letters here and there. Uh, and like that, that whole little section, I can relate to that. Yeah. Like I know you can too, Corey. It's like, you know, we both come from Mormon families, so like them being opposed to gay rights, it definitely strains the relationship. Yeah, it definitely does. Like, am I gonna go fuck a dead body because of it? Like, no. But <laughs> like, yeah, I, like I'm in like the same like semi situation with my dad at the point. Yeah. At this point, I, I like I like go Dennis for defending gay rights. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> uh, and then he's not a good guy at the end. But you know, go you at that moment. Go you, Dennis. <laughs> Woo, go Dennis. Woo! At that very exact moment. Harvey Milk. Dennis, whatever his name is. Dennis Nielsen should not be ever said after Harvey Milk's name. Uh, I I want to delete that. <laughs> you know, go Dennis in that very explicit moment. Like any other moment, very fuck true. you, Dennis. Yeah. But in that I mean, he's one, only, he's, he's defending himself. He he point. did a good job, and like he he did good in those five minutes. Yeah, good job you for those five minutes. I'm sure every person, every serial killer had a Has good five, five minutes. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, of their entire fucking life of your entire life at least they had a good five minutes <laughs> like one time like ted bundy like picked up books that somebody else dropped yeah and he was like here you go like do you need a study partner like who knows 
Anyways, after this, Dennis moved to London and he joined the Metropolitan Police, hoping to recapture that uh, the camaraderie camaraderie that uh-huh. comes with the army because he, yeah. he missed army life. Uh, but he quickly found that police life was a poor substitute and was left in his own company for his off-duty period. So he was still pretty lonely. And Whoa, he's like, cops okay. compared to like the army. Now, around this time, he had become a regular in London gay bars. And one yeah. night while Dennis was on patrol, um, he actually caught a gay couple having sex in a car. Now, he couldn't bring himself to arrest them um, as what was required by law at the time, yeah. which Corey has talked about. And he decided to actually resign from the force because he couldn't handle the police brutality against gay oh, men. Oh, go Dennis time. for another so again, five minutes. Another good five minutes for Dennis. <laughs> um, he, so he resigned in December of 1973 after serving just a year. He Whoa. then started working at the English Civil Service from that point up until his arrest 10 years later. Now, by 1974, Dennis's life was revolved around cruising gay bars, although it was always just conversation that he craved, not necessarily sex. He just really wanted companionship. Okay. Now, one night, he saw a man getting beaten outside by a bunch of homophobic fuckheads. Bitches. Uh, and he decided to rescue the man. He, like, intervened and, st- and like, ran off. Oh, my God. Like, the guy, the fuckheads ran away, and the man he rescued was David Gallican. Um, and David, he went home with Dennis that night. They just, like, drank and talked and talked about, you know, everything that they could talk about. Dicks. Uh, and they quickly fell in love after. And they uh, fell so much in love that they decided oh. to move in with each other. And they went apartment hunting. And they came across what is still, to this day, known as one of the most infamous addresses in London has ever seen. And that is uh, 195 Melrose Avenue. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, my God. I don't know. Now, Dennis and David were happy for two years. They even bought a dog, and the dog's name was Bleep. I just imagine a golden retriever or a corgi. Oh, my God. Bleep. And now Chana's story is done. And now my story's done. <laughs> That's my spooky scoop is there wasn't one today. And now and t- they tended a garden together because they had a personal no, garden. No, oh, my God. This is what I want. They, now, Dennis affectionately called David Twinkle. Like, they oh were my God. in love. Uh, they listened to records every night. Uh, a garden. They had a dog. Like they were living. The tell gay me they just dream. like both read different books while on the couch and, and this, just like intertwined their legs. And this is like 1976 to 1978. Oh my God. Like this is the 70s, and there were two gay men drinking tea together every single night, completely in love. Oh my God. I, I mean, this is kind of like not. What cool. happened? This is kind of unheard of. Well, their love started to fade and dwindle, and uh, they both started cheating on each other like pretty uh-huh. regularly and um yeah yeah everything just started fizzling and eventually david ended up moving out of the house Aww. and they broke up yeah so Dennis, just being gay happened yeah, yeah so being gay happened yeah. some gay couples like fuck you guys yeah. but yeah no they they Prove me wrong they fell out of love dennis was left heartbroken alone angry completely broken and shattered oh. um he turned to work and booze and drugs to completely numb himself and That's his so- loneliness grew and he was desperate for companionship but he was terrified that he'd be left again yeah and his worst fear was finding another man falling in love with him and then being broken again That's so interesting it just seems like uh like especially with ted bundy and another one you've recently gone over it's just like they seem to be going in the right direction despite like a few red flags growing up or yeah. like a good amount of red flags growing up. Yeah, yeah. 
It, it just seems like their inability to cope with failure. Yeah. Oh, totally. Like, and like the loneliness. Yeah. Like, yeah. The breakups. They it's just like, continuously spiral and then just dive and just like embrace the spiral downward. Yeah. And like, just like, like, like go they're into... just one breakup away from murder. Yeah. That's so interesting. That's true. If I was a psychologist, I'd have a heyday with that. Yeah. So it all came to a head right around Christmas of 1978. Christmas, the holidays are here. That's like the loneliest, most depressing time of the year. He spent Christmas completely alone in his apartment. No. It's just him and Bleep, the dog, looking at each other and being like, fuck, we're alone. Like, this sucks. So a few days after Christmas, it was December 29th, 1978, Dennis went to a gay bar and he found Stephen Holmes and he invited him home. They drank. They fucked. It was a grand old time. But the next morning, Dennis woke up to Stephen in his written confessions, Dennis stated he was, in quotes, afraid to wake him in case he would leave me. After caressing the sleeping man, Dennis decided um, that he needed to, in quotes, stay with me over the new year, whether he wanted to or not. Oh, my God. So Dennis then took a tie and started strangling Stephen until he lost consciousness. And then he drowned him in a bucket filled with water. He then bathed the body and attempted to have sex with the body, but he couldn't do it. So instead, he just masturbated over the body twice. He then spent the next couple nights sleeping next to the dead man, talking to the dead man, acting like the dead man was still with him. And then he finally hid the corpse under his floorboards for seven months. Oh, my God. Chana? I escalated quickly. Chana. We're here. What? This is really interesting. I am more revolted by this than anything you said about Ted Bundy. Yeah, no, because it's homosexual, and I can picture it better. Interesting. This is this is a really intense one. That's I'm really excited. It for this it, it just like interestingly ta- interestingly taps because you can relate into, to it more. Yeah, because like when I see when I see homosexual media, it like makes me cry more because I'm like, oh my god, this is how like normal people feel. Yeah, totally. Like growing up and seeing like you know like Julia Roberts fall in love with whatever you know whatever his fucking name is. Yeah. Richard Gere. You know, and Runaway Bride or whatever. And it's just like, when you say that, I'm like, oh my God, like, what the fuck? Like, I can picture that more. Yeah. Ooh, I, this yeah. is interesting. I haven't felt this because I've never really read about cool. gay serial killers other yeah. than Jeffrey Dahmer, but it was like, I've never, I've never like heard a first, first witness account of him, like, you know, taking somebody home and doing something. Yeah. Doing. And the thing about Dennis that, like, probably, you know, strikes a chord with you is, like, you know, he, he has gone through so many events that we have gone through and like yeah. you have gone through like uh you know his family not accepting that he's gay like he has to cut off ties with the family and then he actually had gay. a love yeah he had a love he and lost a dog. love he's like lonely he had a dog like you know like th- like this guy he could... seems like a pretty normal romantic yeah and like he's just so afraid of being alone that like but instead of like a natural like a normal human reaction he decides he needs to start killing. Did he to, dump some bodies into the sea? Open. Oh, it gets gross. It gets, this is getting Does he crazy. throw them into the ocean? Oh, no. It's ah, worse. Okay. It gets crazy. Okay, so Dennis was afraid of getting caught, so he laid low for a few months. But eventually, the desire for murder and the loneliness overcame him again. And he attempted to murder a young man named Andrew Ho. Now, Ho, <laughs> I'm only going to call him Ho. He managed to <laughs> flee from Dennis and reported the incident to the police. The police even questioned Dennis. But they let him go because Andrew Ho was like, you know what? Like, it was just BDSM gone wrong, pretty much. Like, whatever. <laughs> that is such a gay reaction. Yeah. So, <laughs> goddamn it, Andrew Ho. 
So Dennis, I'm like, you hit me over the head with the sledgehammer. It's just, just like some BDS. It was just some crazy. Yeah. Like he spit in my mouth about it. You know what? He I'm thought drop I the would charges. be turned on by it. I was admittedly like a little bit turned on by it. But he's like, but I'm not gay, police officers. <laughs> Anyways, so then Dennis encountered his official second victim, Canadian tourist Kenneth Ockenden, at a pub on December 3rd, 1979. Oh, so, so Ho is, got away. This is about a year. Yeah, Ho got away. Dennis was questioned by the police, and then Ho dropped the charges. He was like, it was BDSM gone awry. Damn, okay. So almost a year after the first murder, the second murder happened. Now, Kenneth, the Canadian tourist, and Dennis spent the whole day together, sightseeing, drinking, eating. It was like a perfect date day. What the fuck? And they ended at Dennis's apartment. Kenneth was listening to music with Dennis's headphones when Dennis wrapped the headphone cord around uh, Kenneth's throat and strangled him to death. I'm never going on a date he, again. Yeah, sorry, Corey. This might ruin it for you. What the fuck? He then bathed the body, shared a bed with the body. He took photos of the body. He successfully had sex with the body and finally hid the corpse under the floorboards. But he would remove it frequently and sit the body in a chair in his living room and engage in conversation like the body was still alive. You fuck that. That's so much more real now and when you say it instead of when you said it with Ted Bundy. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Now, Kenneth, he was one of the only victims who was widely reported as missing, and his fingerprints were actually found on a street map, street map during a search of Dennis's house 10 years later. Um, now, Corey has kind of talked about this before, and I've mentioned this before. Um, you know, like gay men, because I mentioned this during like the doodler, like gay men disappearing and stuff. Like, uh-huh. Society would kind of brush that under the rug. It wasn't women it wasn't like straight people that were going same with sex workers or yeah uh yeah exactly and like a lot of these gay people were found like on the streets or in gay clubs so like kenneth was one of the only victims that was ever even reported because no one else people would even bother talking about again moving on he found his third victim martin duffy who was a homeless 16 year old on may may 13th 1980 dennis strangled him then drowned him bathed the body, repeatedly kissed, complimented, and caressed the body, both before and after he had masturbated while sitting upon the stomach of the corpse. The body was kept in a wardrobe for two weeks before joining the other bodies under the floorboards. Following Duffy's murder, the killing frequently... Wait, wait. So he has multiple bodies stored under the floorboards? Yeah, he has three bodies so far stored under the floorboards. Just stinking up the house? Yeah. Apartment? Yeah. So following Duffy's murder, the killing frequency increased significantly. Before the end of 1980, he killed a further five victims and attempted to murder one other. Only one of these victims, 26-year-old William David Sutherland, has ever even been identified. The so the other four victims are total John, like John Doe's. Now, he eventually ran out of space to keep the bodies because he was stuffing them all under floorboards. He had bodies in his floorboards. He had a body in his kitchen, in the pantry, under the kitchen sink, in the wardrobe, under his bed. Like, you name it, bodies were stuffed in every crevice they could fit. How do you see? And his house became infested with bugs and foul odors. When he would pull up the floorboards to admire the bodies, he noticed that the bodies were covered in pupae which is like yeah yeah larva and stuff yeah. and infested with ma- with maggots some of the victims heads even had maggots crawling out of the eye sockets and the mouth he sprayed his house twice a day but nothing is working the smells were getting worse the bugs were everywhere so he needed a solution and the solution was gross 
So in late 1980... Just light a match and burn down your fucking apartment. Dennis removed and dissected the bodies of each victim killed since December of 1979. He severed their heads and he boiled their flesh off. He cut up each body part as small as he could, boiled the flesh off. He would take the boiled flesh and flush it down the toilet. He would then take the remaining parts of the body and burn them in his goddamn garden. What the fuck? Now, to, to disguise the smell of the burning bodies, he would burn car tires with the bodies. And when the bonfires had been reduced to ashes and cinders, he would use a rake to search the debris for any recognizable bones and would smash them. And he would then bury everything. Where's the doggo? The dog is kicking it. The dog is seeing all this happening. The dog is fine. I'll the tell you that dog. now. The dog lives. He's fine. Okay. But he's just watching this all happen. Now the killings. Continue. He's just in the corner of Pikachu gasping, like yeah. ev- all the time. There's some like gross accounts of like the dog like licking dead bodies and stuff, no. but like we're just gonna we're gonna roll past that because oh. I don't like to believe because the dog didn't know. The dogs are innocent. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just doing <coughs> what a dog does. So, the killings continued in 1981. Now of April of 1981, Dennis had killed three more people, all unidentified. The last victim he murdered at the Melrose Avenue um, house at that location Whoa. was 23-year-old named Malcolm Barlow. Fuck. This one's fucked up. If you didn't think the other ones are fucked up, this one will fuck you up. Fuck. So on September 17th, 1981, Dennis walked outside of his house and he found Malcolm slumped against the wall. Dennis walked up to Malcolm and Malcolm told him that he was on medication for his epilepsy, which <sighs> caused his legs to weaken. So Dennis brought Malcolm into his murder apartment and he called an ambulance to get him some help. Paramedics rolled up. They took Malcolm to the hospital. He was treated. He was released. Everything is fine. After his release, Malcolm decided to go thank Dennis personally for saving him. So he walked up to Dennis's apartment, knocked on the door. Dennis invited him in for a celebratory dinner and drinks. They ate. They drank a bunch. Malcolm fell asleep on the couch. And then Dennis decided to kill him. What the fuck? So after he saved him, Dennis walked up to Malcolm, wrapped a cord around his neck, strangled him and killed him and stuffed his body under the kitchen Do you think sink. it was maybe because he passed out? Probably. Cause he was <gasps> seemed dead. Ooh, because he like looked dead. So that like, oh, So it like so triggered gross. him? Ew. Like maybe if he wouldn't have passed out. He wouldn't have he died. He wouldn't have been triggered. That's true. Because like he saw the dead body and he was like, oh, I could really fuck a dead body right now. Yeah. Dennis again cut up the body, boiled the body, burned the body. Now, in mid-1981, Dennis needed to move out because his landlord was renovating the apartment. Good thing he already moved all the Good bodies. Luck, bitch. So he then moved to 23D Cranley Gardens in Moosewell Hill District of North London on October 5th, 1981. So his new apartment was an attic apartment. So he didn't have floorboards and he did not have access to a garden. So where the fuck is he going to put all these bodies? Now, for the first few months, his new apartment prevented him from killing people. Any person who Dennis encountered and lured to his flat, they were not assaulted in any manner. They would fuck. They would be fine. That all changed in March of 1982. Now, Dennis, he strangled John Howlett, a victim who gave Dennis the fight of his life and amazed him by coming back to life over and over and over again. Shortly after he killed John, he killed Graham Allen, who he strangled while he was eating an omelet that Dennis cooked for him. Like, they, like, woke up, had morning sex. Ate breakfast, and then he strangled him while he was eating breakfast. 
And then on January 26, 1983, Dennis killed his final victim, 20-year-old Stephen Sinclair. Stephen went over to Dennis's apartment to drink and do some drugs. Casual night. Dennis approached Stephen, knelt before him, and said to my said to him, "Oh, Stephen, here I go again," and then started strangling him. Fuck that. Yeah. Following. That's his... like the Ten Bundy where it's like, now I'm gonna kill you. Ugh. Fuck that. Now following his usual ritual, abating the body, fucking the body, doing all of that, um, Dennis laid down his body and applied like palco applied a talcum powder to his body and arranged three mirrors around the body in his bed. And then he would lie next to the body and look at himself in the mirrors with the body. And he would kiss the the body and cuddle the body and fuck the body all staring in the mirrors, making himself look like a body fucking a body. Several hours later, he turned Steven's head towards himself, kissed him on the forehead and said, good night, Steven. And then went to sleep cuddling the body. Ew. So now we have three more bodies he had to get rid of of this new apartment. No floorboards, nor no garden. So he had to get a little creative. He, just like the other bodies, d- uh, dissected the bodies, boiled what he could, uh, boiled like the flesh off, and he would uh, flush whatever was left in plastic bags down the toilet. What the fuck? Soon the neighbors started complaining of slow drains and severe uh, plumbing problems. Yep. So Dennis actually took it upon himself to call Mike Catran, who is a dino rod engineer, to come over and investigate the clog, which is kind of like uh, I'd mentioned this before in like a one of my segments or a spooky scoop where like sometimes serial killers get overly involved in like investigations. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he was like, oh, there's a clog. I better investigate it myself. So he called a dude to investigate it on February 5th, 1983. Mike arrived and he went into the manhole, which is in front of the apartment complex, to find the source of the the clog. Now, in the presence of all the tenants, including Dennis, Mike discovered what looked like human remains. He called his boss and they decided to conduct a full investigation the next day and, like, bring out the police and stuff. So Dennis started panicking. So he decided that he had to remove the the remains himself in the middle of the night. And when he was doing that, a neighbor actually saw him, like, (gasps) climbing into the manhole and removing the remains. The next morning, the remains weren't there. And so the neighbor, like, notified police, like, hey, I saw Dennis doing this. And at three, and then at 3.30 the next day, Detective Chief Inspector Peter J. had officially confirmed that the remains were human. And so they went and uh, they knocked on Dennis's door and they were like, hey, we are confirmed this is human remains. And, like, we have a witness that said they spotted you pulling the human remains out. And Dennis was like, oh, gosh, golly gee, like – Human remains? That's shocking, officer. Oh, my God. And the the detective looked at him and said, cut the shit. Like, we know that you're responsible. And Dennis then, like, snapped into a total normal, like, composed himself. And he looked at the officers and said, in two plastic bags in the wardrobe next door, I'll show you. What the fuck? And they, like, followed Dennis into his house. And he opened up the wardrobe. And they saw, like, all of the human remains. Fuck. Uh, And now, while being question or so they then promptly arrested him obviously and then while being questioned he was asked if it was just one body or two and his answer was 15 or 16 <laughs> since 1978 <laughs> the officers are like <laughs> <It's> like what <laughs> now dennis admitted to killing 15 young men and attempted to kill seven more during his confession he showed no signs of remorse Damn. he was eager to talk 
Now, after the confession, he was held at the Brixton prison pending trial. He wrote over 50 notebooks full of his memories to assist the prosecution and also drew what he referred to as sad sketches, which detailed the treatment of some of his victims. So he would describe in explicit detail what he would do to each victim and drew pictures showing them what he would do. He brought them to his garden where they found thousands of fragments of bones. He showed them like the floorboards. Imagine being the tenants, the new tenants of that. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, right. His trial officially started on October 24th, 1983. He was charged with six counts of murder and two charges of attempted murder. Even though he did admit to killing, you know, 15 people, they could only identify six of those people. Oh, man, all those sucks. other guys, unknown names. Yeah. He pleaded not guilty to all the charges, um, citing diminished responsibility due to mental defects. Like the classic when you're a serial killer, you're like, I wasn't mentally stable to do it. Yeah. It was a pretty straightforward case. They had testimonies from people who escaped or survived. They had photographs of the bodies that he would take, like the Polaroids and stuff. <sighs> They had the chopping board and knives he used to dissect the victims. They had the cooking pot that was used to boil the skulls, feet, and hands. All of this is now on display at the Black Museum at Scotland Yard. Uh, It was pretty straightforward. Like, his defense team was like, he was, like, mentally unfit. And they, like, tried to bring in psychiatrists. But at the end of the day, like, it was pretty obvious that he was competent to stand trial. Yeah, and that, like, he was aware of what he was doing. Now, the jury retired on November 3rd, 1983, and the next day they delivered a verdict of guilty on all six counts of murder. Fuck yeah. The judge, sent Den- the judge sentenced Dennis Nielsen to life in prison without eligible eligibility for parole for at least 25 years. Dennis died on May 12th of 2018, so just a year ago, of natural causes. Whoa. Anyways, how's your sex life? Damn. Isn't that crazy? Shit. It's pretty fucked up. He would like cut the bodies, boil the bodies, burn the bodies, dress, bathe the bodies, fuck the bodies, say goodnight to the bodies, kiss the bodies, pretend they're people. I mean, this guy's like the most fu- like he's fucked up. He might be one of the most fucked up serial killers I've actually done a segment on. Yeah, that's fucked up. The shit he does is fucked up. So anyways, Corey's, how's your sex life? Um, sex life is good. I'm loving my sex life. I don't need to have sex with random ass people and think they're a serial killer now. Yeah, you're just having sex with crop top seven and a half. <laughs> crop top seven and a half. Well. <laughs> that's that's his whatever we call it name. His nickname. His nickname, yeah. His code name. Um, we had fun. We had pride. We, we had, had Salt Lake Pride. We um, did. It was super fun. We had a super interesting night on Saturday. We were going to go to a house party. And then we realized that it was going to end at 11 and it was like 1040. And so we're like, fuck, we need to try and make it to see if we can get, you know, at least get there for like 10 minutes and then find an after party. Yeah. Because we were like, oh, it's already a little bit too late to get into a club because it's Pride Night. So we'd be in line forever. And there's like three gay clubs in Utah. Yeah, right. So we get there, but it's like literally like five or like three minutes before 11 and people were walking out and like there was no music on at all. Mm. And we had texted, I texted Micah and was like, hey, like, 
hey do you know of like a party like that we could go to an after party because we were because uh, i earlier i texted him earlier and i was like hey we're going to this person's party are you going to be there and he's like yeah i'm there right now blah 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 blah. oh fun so then i texted him i was like hey can we get to another party and he was like no sorry like i'm at an invite only like i can't really invite other people and so he's probably like a sex party, which that makes sense. Like if yeah. you're at a sex party, you like, can't just bring like n- not anyone could just show up to a sex. Yeah, party. Yeah, you don't want like random ass people to show up to a sex party. STDs are real. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, okay, cool, like have fun, like it'll be fun to see you later on, like tomorrow, whatever. Um, and so basically, we like long story short, go to try and get in the line at Sun Trap, and we're like standing there for like 20 minutes, and we barely move at all. And then there's this really fun group of gay guys, and then like Tyler gets interested in one of them, and then that other dude, and that that dude was like really, it was just like fuck me eyes to Tyler. Oh, fun! <laughs> it was they were cute, um, and they ended up going to the triangles, and then we were like, oh hey, we're going to this other bar, I forget what it was called, um, so like uh, meet us there, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna go to triangles, and then we're gonna meet, then we'll meet you there. We never met up with them, which was sad, mm. but we went to this other bar, and it was really fun. Um, and then we found a house party to go to. So we went to a house party and we get there, um, from, uh, top crop 7.5. Is that what it is? Seven and a half, seven and a half, whatever. (laughs) All the same. Um, so we, we end up there and the friend that like invited us, like, like invited him and us to it. Um, like immediately is like, Hey, we're leaving. Hey, bye. So we literally show up at this like beautiful fucking ass, like renovated house on like, I don't know, like six South or seven South or whatever. Okay. Just beautiful. And this dude comes up, his name's Spencer. And he's like, Hey, what's up? And he's just like coked out of his fucking <laughs> mind. He's like, hey, what's up? What's up, my guys? And he's like, he's like do you want to see my house? No, seriously. <laughs> literally, he was like, he's like, dude, you have to come to the tour. I'll show you the tour of this house. The house is awesome. I have the house upstairs, the rooms upstairs, but I'll show you the entire house. We can go to every room, and it's really awesome. Whoa. We just recently renovated it. Like, let's go. And he's like, I don't, and then like we go into the first room, and it's like the owner of the house. And I was like, well, where is he? And he's like, oh, he's probably in some bathroom, like getting like coked out right now. Whoa. And I'm just like silently waiting there, like May- maybe you could offer me coke. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I might not say no. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> and so he, it was so funny because he was just like showing us through his house. His house was fucking like. Just beautiful. Just fucking. You know, like I mostly go throughout life and I don't mostly think that I need money or want more and more like a lot of money. Yeah. But I went through his house and I was like. I want money. Fuck, I want money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I re- don't really have many of those moments. Yeah. But that was a moment. That was like my you know one out of like two or three times a year where i'm like fuck i I need money yeah yeah yeah. you know yeah and i was like damn he he has a great like the house was fucking that's like me every time on pinterest i'm like fuck damn i want money yeah yeah it was fucking awesome so that was really fun so we went to his coked out party and we talked to him he's actually a really fun guy um i mean you know who's not fun on coke if you're not fun on coke like fuck you then fuck you you're a horrible person (laughs) (laughs) um so, yeah, that was fun. And then we ended up like I just went back. Tyler went to his home and then we went back to his house and then we woke up and then we went to Piper Down. That, and we okay. had like super fun, like fun, like intense flip fuck flip fuck before we met up with the Aldo fun. that morning. It was awesome. Oh, cute. Yeah. And then I come into the story. So there we are at Crop Top's apartment twerking to... That boy is a bottom. Boy, this boy is a bottom. When the Mormon family walks up to me and Tyler, like, <laughs> past the car because we were parked at the wrong building. And I was, like, wall twerking on Tyler's, like, 
eight inch cock. Yes. And the Mormon family's like, oh dear, like walks by. And then finally we see our two wonderful Ooh, gays. and you're like in like a really sexy ass outfit. I'm in a slutty ass rainbow Like it was hot. Out. My ass is out. It was a good outfit. I don't think I saw one straight man that walked past us that couldn't not do a double take <laughs> at you. <laughs> You're welcome, Jordan. Yeah. And they weren't even doing it like weirdly. It was just like their sexuality could not <laughs> handle. It was just like their pure animalistic instinct of just like, yeah, at my it tits. was not. It was no one's fault except for like actual chemistry. I thought you were going to say it's no one's <laughs> fault except yours. And I was like, you're the no, problem. It was, no, it wasn't your fault. It was just like just chemistry. It was just basic bitch chemistry. It was animalistic. Yeah, it wasn't like, anybody being a creeper. <laughs> so, yeah, so we went to Piper Down and then we got hammered. We our bartender was amazing. He gave us like we ha- we split three bottles of champagne. Yeah, I had like two or three shots of vodka with like a bottle half of champagne. He was super fun. We had delicious breakfast. Oh my god, I had Scotch eggs. Holy fuck! <laughs> I didn't know what Scotch eggs were. Cute. But apparently, it's the best thing in the world. Yeah, it's super not vegan, but go Corey. Super not vegan. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went and had a photo shoot on a rainbow crosswalk. Yes. And then we went to a bar. Met up with Bakes, and then we went to the festival, and the <gasps> goddamn giant chair wasn't there this year. No, which is horrible. But we still got pictures, which I've been posting nonstop on Instagram. Uh, crop top, seven and a half, got like crazy high. Oh, that yeah. That was fun. That was cute. And then we went to the pizza place, and then I got a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got a tattoo. And then Jordan and I got matching tattoos. Cute. It was a the most eventful 10 hours of my life. Probably. Ooh, no, we went to the pie hole, too. Oh, yeah. And then Tyler also somehow drank, like, seven shots of warm pinnacle vodka. Yuck. Well, before we went he to the festival. He chugged the bottle of warm, whipped pinnacle, pinnacle vodka. Vodka. Do you know how disgusting that is? It could be ice cold, and I still won't drink it. Yeah. Yeah, it was gross. I'd rather be a serial killer. I would rather Tennis Nielsen kill Corey in front of me and then kill me after for being a woman. Yeah. Yes. Then but, chug pin- warm pinnacle whipped vodka. And then, oh yeah, if you want to look at our Pride stories, there's a story highlight called Pride on our Instagram. Oh, there is? Yeah, like that tracks. I like don't even remember anything. All of our you festivities. Did. You should watch it. It's really fun. <laughs> So I should was, probably because I won't. Rem- I don't remember it. It's taken me four days to recover from it. Like yes. I got so sick. No, from agreed. Pride. Yeah. Like I was got so sick, and like I literally today was the first day. Or yesterday was the first day where I didn't have to take a Dayquil, and today I was like, I'm back to normal. And you're like, tomorrow we're gonna drink. And then Sunday we're drinking. And then from. Monday we're going to California. Yeah. I guess that's Life's all the future. Awesome. My it's sex summer, life is good. so like we're not depressed anymore. Yeah, we're not sad anymore. <laughs> Simone and S'mores are still not friends, but Aww. progress. That's it's happening. Sad. Oh, I have to sneeze. But yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Pride was awesome. Crop top seven and a half is I awesome. Him. I love him. Yeah. He's so fun. Uh-huh. He's he reminds me of us just with how we talk. <laughs> oh yeah. So like it's, all it's, the time. When he sends me like little videos, I'm like, oh my god, that's like exactly what I would say. Yeah, it's it's just super fun. Cause I feel like I'm just I'm just talking to a friend like that I've known for years. Yeah. And like yeah, he says he tells stories the same way we do. So it's like story, tangent, 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 story. Uh-huh. Or like, we'll like no three backstory context yeah yeah <laughs> before we even get to the regular story totally yeah totally you guys listen to our podcast you know yeah but it's super fun yeah this weekend was fun this week was i was just sick for the majority of it yeah. but uh, oh we released patreon that was exciting yeah that was super we fun. have four patreon so far yeah congrats thank you thank you guys yeah love you guys you guys are now paying for one of our subscriptions for 
Podbean. Yeah. So yeah, so we had a great Pride Week. We hope you guys are having a wonderful Pride Month and yes. celebrate being you. Be proud. We love you guys. Uh, I y'all, I just I just love Pride Month. Uh, it's so fun to it's be like gay. Christmas for a month. And I love doing the faggot facts because like every two minutes of the faggot fact, I'm like, ah, oh, being gay is just so fucking fun <laughs> and just so fucking like in your face. I love it. Yeah. Or just being queer. Yeah. Yeah. Go the whole LGBTQ community. Yeah. You know, we're we're doing it, guys. We're here. Yeah, we're queer. <laughs> yeah, and, and like, thank everyone before us that like For had the fucking balls and courage to well, stand up. Well, just like during your faggot fact, you know how we still have so such a long ways to go, but it's at least we have a community now. You know, yeah, like, we don't have to hide and be ashamed of who we are. Like we can be out and proud. And we have organizations, and we have like labels that can help us find groups and yeah. like security within other groups of people it's yeah. pretty it's pretty amazing like yeah we have so much more to go but it's we're pretty lucky that we at least have a community that we can find safety with each other yeah and like our fucking city throws like a three-day weekend like party for yeah us. like a drunk fuck like, fest fuck yeah like that's awesome that's yeah. so awesome <laughs> so i hope you guys have a wonderful pride month we can't wait to talk to you guys next week yes. use a condom we love you guys so anyways, how's your sex life? Ah. Pride. Bye, guys. Bye. Happy Pride.